and other words I don't know things about Scooby-Doo. My name is Ryan Leopolis, and welcome to a new episode of the Fake Nerd Podcast, episode 191. I'm joined with my my best buds in the world, Brandon T. McClure over there. Hi. Sparks right next to me, and I got Ben Magnet up there. I'm sad. Can we title this episode Jinkies and Oh Boy? Jinkies and Oh Boy. <laughs> Everyone's favorite Scooby-Doo phrase, Oh Boy. <laughs> oh Boy. Oh Boy. So yeah, welcome. You're sad, Ben? You're sad? Yeah, Why I'm, are you sad? Is it because of the finished, Giants? I finished Evangelion. Oh, cool. Yeah, I haven't watched the end of Evangelion the movie yet, but uh, oh boy. Hey, I'm ben, sad. Congratulations. <laughs> congratulations. And also, and also, last night, Sparks, for all that Giants crap, screw you. I didn't start. Yeah. To be fair, I didn't say anything. Exactly. Did I, did I start it? No. Exactly. Travis you, started it. Uh, Travis started thing, it. and that makes you an accomplice. <laughs> we played. For those of you who don't know, we played some video games last night: Battlefront Two, the Ewok mission, and Ben's headset died. So yeah. uh, we said all sorts of things while yeah. he, grieved, he just we griefed them. Just griefed them. Couldn't do a thing about it. <laughs> I couldn't. We trolled him so hard, Ryan had to join us. Yeah, I wasn't playing, and then I got like five texts from Ben, and I'm like, all right, what's going on? <laughs> We're here reviewing Scoob this week. Yeah, let's, how, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's talk about our, our week's Ben. You already said Evangelion, so I figured you should probably yeah. go first. Uh, besides finishing Neon Genesis Evangelion, I haven't really done a whole lot. My brother and I were continuing our truck through Dark Souls. We just got to the Arch Dragon Peak yesterday. So we finished, we beat the uh, Untended Graves, mm-hmm. and we also beat the Grand Archives, both of us, on both of our uh, save files. So now we, we stopped at the Arch Dragon Peaks, and I don't know if you guys have seen, but on my Instagram, there's this great picture of both of our avatars praising the sun. Like, cause praise the sun! So oh I cannot, you guys have no idea how happy I was to find that emote in Castle Lothric. Because once I found it, because I've been wanting that email the whole time, I was like, you know what? I'm going to try and find it organically, but if I go through most of the game, I'm just going to look it up online. And then we found it. I got the Praise the Sun emote. I joined the Covenant. I'm like, praise the sun. I don't effing care anymore. Praise the sun! Ben, one day we'll we'll, we'll play Dark Souls, the original, and you'll discover oh, yeah. what makes Solaire just a sweet, sweet sun boy. Just a sweet, sweet sun boy. Sweet, sweet, sweet sun, sun boy. boy. But yeah, besides that, I was, after playing through Dark Souls, well, as far as I am through Dark Souls 3, I've already loved the game. I think the game is great. I actually would like to get into the original Dark Souls because luckily there's a remastered version of Dark Souls 1. And I love that game. I love Dark Souls 3. I love it a lot. I mean, it's tough. It is tough, but it's also fair. And to, I know people are saying, it's like, oh, but Ben, you're playing co-op. That's the easy way to play Dark Souls. It's like, but it's more fun. I'm playing with my brother. My brother and I are having a grand old time and we're kicking bosses asses left and right it's great video games are meant to be fun yeah yep. they are play them because they're fun yep. like i remember playing while i was playing jedi fallen order there were times i almost rage quit because there were things that was just so that was just ticking me off so much that i'm like i don't want to play this anymore but with dark souls 3 one of the quote-unquote hardest games ever made i'm like i want to play this this is fun. I actually want to explore more. I want to look, probably because Dark Souls 3, the more you explore and the more items you find, actually you do stuff instead of Jedi Fallen Order, which is all cosmetic. Yeah. And the thing is, like, um, uh, Dark Souls, yes, it is tar- hard and difficult, <clears throat> but it is never uh, it is never unbeatable. It is no. not an unbeatable game 
most people who like Dark Souls have beaten it multiple times because the challenge mm -hmm. is there. Much mm -hmm. like any, much like old school NES games, like your oh, yeah. difficulties, like the original Castlevania games, you get hit, you die, and start over from the very beginning over oh, again. Oh God, Contra? And just channeling old school games again, but being like, no difficulty. We're not going to tell you what to do. Just, just get good, dude. I cannot tell you how hard the original Mega Man game is. Like once you get to Wily's Castle and you fight the Yellow Demon, that requires pixel perfect jumping. Yeah, that I mean, there used to be a joke back in the eight, late '80s, early '90s, saying that a game was Nintendo hard because you yes. had to really get good at those that's games to, to progress them. Once you rewind, when you screw up, that's yeah, the, that's the cheatiest thing I've heard. That's like <laughs> that ruins that game. That's like not even fun. That's I would never play it. First of all, I never play the Switch version of that game because that's the lowest quality version you could play. But of what, that, the, like, the fun of that game is getting good and like it's like oops, no, just rewind. Wait, are we talking Dark Souls or Mega Man? Because I told totally you to rewind picture on Mega Man. Mega Man. Oh, I thought you were talking about Dark Souls. No, Mega Man oh. allows you to rewind the. Oh, the new yeah. game. Oh, well, that's, yeah. that's a feature in the game. That's not. No, no, no I'm talking like, the original the Mega collection. Man on the Switch. Oh, that's yeah. You can the, rewind. Yeah, the, right. The Legacy Collection, there's a rewind feature. So if you miss a jump that you should have made, you could rewind without losing a life. No. That's not how That's not how games. <laughs> that's so silly. That's cool. Right. That'd be fun. Yes, there's supposed to be fun. Just have your hand held for everything and never uh, accomplish anything on your own. It's fine. Funny enough, Ryan, I actually wrote an article about using the rewind feature, and I mentioned you in it. Did you really? Yeah. In a positive way or a negative way? Because I love in both. a positive way. Because okay. you're actually absolutely right. Using the rewind feature is kind of like cheating the game a little bit. And again, yes, if you want to use it, that's totally fine. But like mm -hmm. that game, when a game originally came out, you just have to be really oh, good no. at it. You have to like, be good. Now you can literally cheat to beat it. And I'm just like, that's cool. I that's not a version I'm ever gonna play. Personally. Yeah. No, but I, mean, I you mentioned play it, just not use it. True. Yeah. 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 yeah but I did mention but going going back to Dark Souls, I cannot wait till cons open up again because there's this one t shirt that Shark Robot has called the Get Good Gym, which has the picture of the knight from Dark Souls three, like lifting weights. And I could finally get that t shirt now because I could I'm like, I know what this means. I understand it. I'm very, I'm so happy that um because I know you played Fallen Order but like like you played that with Dark Souls game so you know and you really like them so I'm really excited for you to just venture into these type of games that are like very very hard and just very like just just about, see you been you like games like Mega Man Mega Man and Dark Souls are actually very similar in a lot of ways they are they they really um, are. Like, and I've I've come to realize I like a lot of retro games because I was playing an old school Castlevania game earlier this week and it's mm -hmm. really hard and I was getting really frustrated. Yeah. Um, but I didn't rewind or anything. I just, I just, I just quit like a, like a baby. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, but God, what was I gonna say? I was gonna say something. Shoot. Oh yeah, Bloodborne's next. Cool. No, that was that was mostly for Ryan because I know Ryan's a huge Bloodborne fan, and my brother is saying once we beat Dark Souls three, he wants me to go get Bloodborne so we can co-op on that one too. I will make time. Now to you'll keep saying that's next. So you'll keep saying that it's next until we berate <laughs> you enough to actually make it next. Right? Just I, like Evangelion? Yes, but I think I think the trajectory is Dark Souls 2 Bloodborne, because he has his brother involved. We're we're not peer pressuring him. Yeah. Yeah, but uh yeah. What else? what else? Uh that's 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 pretty much it. Um I did my live show with uh, uh Michael and Rachel. For downright Yuri yesterday. That was our last one because we finished Dragon's Wrath. Uh, we might do another show later down the line talking about the, her first book, The Lost Noble. Uh, but besides that, I didn't do much this week. I just watched Evangelion. I, um, that's it. 
I just I watched Evangelion play and play Dark Souls yesterday. That's all that I did. I think I think you guys should do a first book. By the way, since you brought up Downright, they're uh, doing their 60th episode today mm-hmm. with their milestone giveaway. So congrats. Yeah. Yeah, congrats, congrats to them. Um, we are we are actually doing it right now, which is probably why nobody is watching us right now. Yay! <laughs> All our friends are there. <laughs> no, we we as I always say, we do this for us, not for them. Mm-hmm. We're also more, more mainly an audio, not live thing. This is somewhat new to us, so I don't expect yeah. us yeah. to have you know everyone in the world. Um, what would you so uh, the ending of Evangelion? Messed up, right? Yeah, I, I cannot wait to watch like the actual movie end of Evangelion so I could get a somewhat resemblance of what the heck is going on. Because I was talking to Brandon before we recorded, before we started recording. Somewhat, because you're still not going to get explained. Oh, I w- we were talking a little bit of like what the heck was because I thought that Shinji was because I figured that the well, whole let's, not, to- let's not get too far too far into spoilers yeah. for people who haven't seen it because I I do yeah. think th- there are some things that I kind of look at like. Okay, it's been far enough away that spoilers really shouldn't matter. But this is something that I'm like, I'm grateful that nobody spoiled what the ending of that show yeah, was. Yeah, me too. And yeah. because of that, I was able to. I, I don't feel like if I had. I feel like if I have no. If I had known, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have enjoyed it as much. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it, it's purely just by happenstance that I never knew what it was about. But I told you, not not spoiling the movie. I told you what the ending of the show was saying. Yeah. Uh, and you were like, I don't. What. <laughs> Yeah, you were telling me what the show, what the ending show, what actually like the end of the show was, because I always think it was something completely different. Yeah. So it sounds like because I'm rewatching Evangelion as of this week, um, I'm rewatching the old anime from 1997 because I have it on DVD <laughs> and I wanted to, um, and parts of that are super nostalgic, and parts of that are super dated. And <laughs> so there's a good chance I'm gonna I'm gonna dip into the Netflix one uh, after, but. Uh, it sounds like we need to have an Evangelion discussion at some point. I don't know if that's necessarily a special, but yeah. You already know where I stand. I, uh, never. You never want that. Ever. I think we can... Think no we can anime contact podcast. This is what you said when we started. You're right. You know, like exactly <laughs> one day before I joined the podcast, I was like, I never want to talk about anime in my life. <laughs> never once! And then I talked about Broly, and then everything's downhill from there. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I think uh, I think that is something that I'd like to do. I would love to have, do an, that. In-depth, have an in-depth talk about Evangelion. So uh, stay tuned. We'll see what happens there. I love Neon Genesis Evangelion. Even though it makes me sad. What, uh, who, wants, who wants to go next? I'll I'll do it. Right. I did so much video game stuff this week. One because I got a new computer. Um, which has just changed my life in so many ways. Did you guys know that um, even if you have good internet, if your computer sucks, your internet's still going to suck? Did you guys know that? <laughs> I did, but I didn't realize it because I have a new computer and my internet has never been faster ever. And I'm downloading things like, bam, I just downloaded 12 games when I said that just now, just like that. Um, and I'm just having a great time playing games on ultra high settings. And I'm just like, oh, people say money can't buy happiness. You're wrong. You're a liar. <laughs> Great resolution. Um, 
the first thing I did, uh, I beat Assassin's Creed Odyssey because with Valhalla coming out, um, it made me want to go back and play the games I haven't beat. So I played a lot of that and I beat it and it ends really, really well. And the thing I like about it is the modern Assassin's Creed games are very much like The Witcher. They're open world RPGs with choices. You can be good, evil, uh, kill people, not kill people. The final battle in that game, you don't have to fight it. I didn't fight it. I talked the, I talked the villain out of being a villain and now we're homies and that's the end of the game. And I'm like, that's... I didn't expect that for a game that's all about murder. I love it. It's so good. Um, and now I'm going to go back and, and beat Origins because I also never beat Origins. I have this mistake, unless it's called The Witcher, I start these 100-hour <laughs> RPGs and I don't beat them. So I'm going to go and finish Origins because it actually is the sequel to Odyssey. Odyssey is the prequel, even though it came out after. So now with more context, I'm going to go back to the older but newer game and then beat that game. And then I'll have Valhalla all ready for me. Uh, hey, guys, Assassin's Creed's pretty cool. <clears throat> oh, that's the wrong thing. Hold on. I lost my thing. Oh, I lost it. It's gone. I've lost it. I had a folder full of all my notes. I remember what I was talking about. It's cool. Is it you recently deleted it? Here. Yes. Did I delete it? I think I deleted it. I sure did. I deleted it. Oh, cool. Thanks, Sparks. So I watched uh, a couple episodes of an anime called Future Avengers. Um, it is created by Madhouse Studio, and they make shows like Hunter x Hunter and One Punch Man. So the animation is really good. Um, this is the same. Uh, the people behind it are the same people that worked on the uh, the animes from uh, like a couple years ago, like the Blade anime, the X Men anime, and those anime are very uh, Japan animation. Like Wolverine has crazy hair; it's very stylized. Whereas this Future Avengers is very more. Um, it's a little more subdued. It's a little kind of more traditional anime. Um, and it features a bunch of teenagers who work for Hydra, and then the Avengers like save them and they join the Avengers. So uh, it still it still has a lot of anime tropes, but it heavily features all the Avengers in really interesting ways. Um, a lot of the voice cast is from uh, various incarnations too, um, so you'll recognize a lot of characters. But what I like about it is um, it messes with a lot of the villains in interesting ways. Because, uh, like, you can't mess with Iron Man too much when he's Iron Man. But you can do a lot of fun things with the Green Goblin, right? So there's an episode where the Green Goblin steals the Hulkbuster. And he has to fight the Avengers and the Hulkbuster as a Green Goblin. And that's just the whole idea I've never seen in a comic. And it's every episode's, like, fun little idea with that. They do something with Iron Fist that's really fun. Um, and I thought it's it's on Net, it's on uh, Disney+. Plus. Mm -hmm. uh, the second season uh, is on now Disney+, Plus, so I'm going to watch that. Um, I think it's pretty, pretty good. If you guys want some... Um, uh, anime Avengers, I highly recommend it. I just added it to my queue. Cool. I think I think the first episode's a, a, a solid pilot. Like if, if you don't like the first episode, it's indicative of the mm -hmm. rest of the series. Um, <laughs> I started watching What We Do in the Shadows, the television show. Oh, uh, I watched that too. I love that movie. Um, and I didn't know going into the show how much Taika Waititi and Jermaine Clements were involved. They're involved all the way through. They directed and wrote the pilot, and Jermaine directs a lot of the episodes. Uh, Taika's a little less involved, but he did write some of the episodes. Uh, it feels 100% like that movie. It is It is an exact extension of that show just in America. And it's really, really funny. And the, and the takes of instead of it being like more European, being at, uh, or, or uh, in London, being a more American, it's, it's really good. And the cameos are really solid. Uh, I'm very excited about that show. Did you um, watch, uh, this week's episode, Ryan? No, I'm oh, I'm behind. I just started it. I'm oh. like I watched like three episodes. Uh, do you, can I tell you about it a little bit? Like who no. who cameos? Okay. No, because cameo is supposed to be special and important, and I want to okay, know. Okay. I'm gonna okay. watch it myself. I like but that you're excited about. It. Um. So with my new computer, um, uh, I downloaded lots of games that I've never been able to play before, and I'm gonna start streaming them very soon. Um, 
Skyrim's one of the games, even though that game's 10 years old. I downloaded a thing that has 140 mods on it. So oh, I'm wow. gonna play Skyrim with 140 mods. So that game's gonna be wowzers, hopefully. Um, it's gonna be Randy uh, Savage as one of the dragons. It's gonna be Macho Man Randy Savage. Um More time I have, Okay. I have a couple I've things that I know you have. Then hold on. I have MK Shallon Monks for the future of Basement Arcade. I have Yu Yu Hakusho Dark Tournament, which is a Dragon Ball Z-esque fighting game with Yu Yu Hakusho. Got that one. I have the Neon Genesis Evangelion fan-made fighting game that has every single angel and every single Evangelion in it. I showed you guys some pictures of it. Very excited about that. And um, mostly for Sparks, uh, I know you guys know about this game, but a game called Control came out last year, and it was a game of the year for a lot of people. Um, it came out on all the consoles, but uh, it runs very poorly on consoles. It is a graphics-intensive game for PCs, um, so uh, neither of us played it because we wanted to wait. Um, now that I have a PC, I was able to get it for half off plus a $10 discount, so I got it for $10, uh, and that game's new. Um, so I'm going to start playing that game next week, and I'm so excited because uh, I've been wanting to play that game for like six months. Uh, and uh, I'm going to start playing that next week, and I'm just like, I'm so excited for streaming and video games, and I think that's all I did this week. Pow, pow. Uh, I, yeah, I, when you said uh, when you said Mortal Kombat Shaolin Monks, I loved that game. Yep. I thought that game was really great. So did I. I still uh, have it on the PS2. Man, I wish if PS2 um, uh, uh, capturing was a lot easier, because PlayStation makes it really hard to capture stuff. Like, Xbox makes it easy because it's basically a PC. Uh, mm -hmm. PlayStation, except for the PS4, is really hard, so... Uh, if you had it on Xbox, we can make it a little easier. But I got it on PC, so we're okay. The last thing I actually did was um, I redownloaded the uh, Mass Effect. Mass Effect Two is my favorite game, uh, and I'm going to start replaying through all those because there was a huge fan-made texture pack that came out. Mass Effect's now ten years old. A huge uh, texture pack that makes the game look like a next-gen game almost. Like all the textures, all the uh, resolutions are all like super high def. Um, and I started playing it just a little bit yesterday to test it. And it looks like a completely different game. Like, it's remarkable. And I'm so excited to play this game with, like, a fresh coat of paint. Because that, that remaster is happening eventually. I guarantee it. It's going to happen eventually. I've wanted it for three years on my wish list. I haven't gotten it yet, you sons of bitches. So I'm just going to do it myself. <laughs> um, uh, so that's that's my week. Just lots of video games. Very cool. Sparks, do you want to go next? Yeah, I might as well. Uh, most of my week was dedicated to, like, the whole front half of my week was dedicated to finals. Mm -hmm. uh, it was dedicated to school. I had very little time in between. Uh, it was a lot of all uh, late nights, some all-nighters. Um, but that's all over now, uh, which is nice. So, but uh, after that, I did a Vengalian, which I already mentioned. Um, we watched our weekly Motherland mm -hmm. and Harley Quinn. Mm -hmm. Both still solid. Yes. Uh, Harley Quinn in particular, really good episode. Yeah, man, that show continues to surprise me to be like how bonkers, like wacky the comedy is, but also still being really sweet and emotional. Yeah. Like it's it it rides that line like really hard. And it's like, these guys just know what they're doing. Yeah, I'm thinking back on like when we were first talking about the Harley Quinn show before there was even a trailer and it was just kind of like, yeah, okay. Uh, this is not the show I thought we were going to get out of This that. is not, if this is what the comics is, it's like the comics are like really toned down because this is like straight up just like every episode is really rated R <laughs> in like fun ways. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've, I've, judging by just the brief I've seen of it, um, it's more indicative. It's probably it's like it's like the Amanda Con the Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti turned up to eleven, yeah, and the Sam Humphreys turned up to seventeen, because <laughs> yeah. Sam Humphreys has toned it down quite a bit. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, it's it's something else. Uh, really enjoyable though. Um, 
I watched a little bit more. Uh, we're caught. I caught up on um, real quick. Yeah, go ahead. Just something on on. I don't want to spoil it, but something really incredible happened on Harley Quinn that we didn't think was going to happen. It was a really, really great moment between two characters. Um, so I'll say, like, we thought it was going to happen, yeah. but then so much more other things happened that we like. Okay, I guess they're just not going to do that. Yeah. And then they 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 pull a rug, and you're like, this is awesome. And I like the way they do it too. Yeah. Based on your guys' recommendations every week by the show, I'm going to buy the DVD because I want to watch it. Of Harley Quinn? Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, is I, I'm not sure. Is Harley Quinn coming to HBO Max? Yes. I know most of the yes. DC Universe stuff is, so isn't Harley Quinn? Yes, because I saw it. Because if most people are going to end up with HBO Max, you might just want to wait. Kaylee Cuoco did an interview saying Harley Quinn is, is going to be on HBO Max. Okay, so yeah. yeah so, I don't know. Wait. Because uh, that's only two weeks away. Wow, that's only two weeks away. Um, anyway, besides that, I caught up on uh, Mrs. America with Megan. Um, she's also uh, halfway through season three of Community at this point. Um, so that's been that's fun. That's, that's been fun to go back to. Um, you can really start to see where Chevy Chase starts not caring. Yeah. What season is that? Is that three? Three. Yeah. Um, Harley Quinn's appearing on Sci-Fi Channel soon. Oh yeah, heavily edited, but uh, you could watch it for free if you want to watch it. Now I want I want to real quickly touch on Community because Zara also went through all the Community recently, and I caught a bit of season four because uh, I I whenever I rewatch Community I stop at three and I start over. Um, but in season in season four I forget that there's actually a really good episode for Chevy Chase, and it's the one where he tells Jeff to kind of lay off a of Britta like she tries really hard, and I was like, oh damn, Chevy actually had a good run in season four. Yeah. There's, there's, there are like, I, I remember, I remember thinking about how bland the show was based around the concept of like the show when it was initially started was so very clearly sold on the idea of Joel McHale and Chevy Chase. Yeah. And yeah. like their two characters at the center of it. And they were far more like baseline and not eccentric and not, not pushed to extremes. Um, not really in compared mm-hmm. to where the show takes them. And, uh, and I forgot that like Chevy was given a lot of room to like do things that I, I genuinely like at times. Um, and it sucks that like, there was so much shitty stuff behind the background. And I wonder at a certain point, how much of it just became like, maybe like, I mean, there's some things that we know that happen behind the scenes that like, yeah, Chevy's totally at fault for it, but also maybe just him and Dan Harmon were never the right fit. Uh, as someone who's listened to every single Harmon Town episode where he talks about Chevy a lot, um, there came a point where they just they did just not get along anymore. Right. And like uh, Chevy being who he is didn't make that any easier. So just like it just on set, I was just like, oh boy, it's another day. Yeah, but that's but that also just like I I, I wonder if like Chevy Chase's downfall wouldn't have been so because so 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 heavy laden with issues. Yes. Like it would have been like uh, Chevy's got some outdated ideas about you know women and yeah racism but like outside of that it it might not have been quite as dramatic of a downfall of a celebrity yeah. if uh he had been in a place where he jived more with the comedy yes. i just don't think Harmon's comedy is chevy's comedy no uh and rarely fletch is not few, his comedy and a few times in the show usually when dan Harmon didn't write or direct the episode chevy seems to meld into the show better mm-hmm. Well, you, 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 you hear it a lot because they've talked about it that uh, Chevy just didn't get Dan Harmon. Yeah. Like he just didn't understand what Dan Harmon was doing. Yeah. And I'm just saying like, you know, because I, I haven't revisited the show since it was originally on. 
this is my first time going back to it. And, uh, and it's just like in hindsight going, you know, I don't know that Chevy was as at fault as, uh, as I perceived it to be for, it's not a good for like his issues with the show. I think uh, more so, of it is just like, this is just not creatively right. So Zara, uh, has Gilmore girls. She watches Gilmore girls religiously. It's constantly on a loop. You know, she, she once we're done with seven season seven, we go back to season one, episode one, and start all over. Um, for me, for a very long time, uh, that was community. And I sure. would just put on community on a loop. I've seen that show about 10 times brought and back. Just the first three seasons. I've, uh, I haven't seen the last three seasons in quite a while. But those first three seasons, once season three, episode 26 is done, season one, episode one, start again. Yeah, I, I, I just I just wasn't that way about community. I, I left, I, I, think I, I think when it was still on, I'd rewatched one through three at some point. Mm-hmm. Maybe even one through four, I want to say, when it was still airing like five and six. Yeah. But but after it was over, I never went back. Um, so it's just, yeah, it's just. I think it's. I think it's still my favorite comedy, personally. Every time I watch it, I get something new out of it. Um. Besides that, uh, I watched another uh, new episode of Brand New Animal, uh, and Trigger is starting to show its hand on where the kind of like beast men were trying to save the world and Gurren Lagan kind of twist might be coming from. Mm-hmm. I don't mean the exact same thing, but a similar type of thing uh, seems to be rearing its head in the show, which is cool. Um, and past that, I started some Assassin's Creed 2, uh, playing through that, trying to, to now me, catch Mario. up on the Xbox to where I was when I used to be playing it on the PS3. Um, and a lot of other video gaming with everybody. Uh, but that's been mostly it. A lot of just slowly easing into a world of media. <laughs> it's, it's funny, like the last couple of weeks, cause like he got uh, like a new external hard drive. I got a new external hard drive and I also just got a new computer. We've like, we've downloaded so many games off like Xbox game pass or games that we, that we, we already own through PS plus. We're just, I felt like we are like smog or smog hoarding games. It's like one day we're going to play all of these games. Cause like, there's a point where I saw your download list and I saw my download list. I'm just like, man, we have so many games. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> uh, I, I will put like put a spotlight on destiny Two. uh, Travis and Pi, friends of ours. Uh, we're all playing through the, old campaign that initially was the opening of destiny two together. Um, and we're, we've gotten a pretty deep ways into that. And I gotta say, like, I'm really jazzed about it now. Yeah. Uh, like going back into the lore and the story and like destiny two had a really strong opening and I'm really enjoying it, which is nice. It's nice to go back to a game that I enjoy playing so much. Yeah. Uh, for, uh, I mean, you guys know, but like the people at home, uh, uh, destiny is made by the guys who made halo. And the first destiny mm-hmm. was a big disappointment on the, uh, narrative, on the narrative sense uh like everything was off on like on different websites on your phone like there was like almost no real lore in the game destiny 2 corrected that 100% there they, there's a halo campaign uh there's lore in the game there's so much stuff to do like they've they've really turned that game around in a great way uh and i'm excited everyone's in in on it now yeah excited to go back to um my turn right yep um okay so i just want to quick to say uh, i bought a new phone that has nothing to do with the show or anything, really. I'm just proud of myself that I did a big boy thing. Uh, right? I spent a lot of money, and I was like, I, I never do this. It's the only time it's going to happen. It feels good. But it's not It's not even that I spent a lot of money. It's like, I spent a lot of money on a thing I've wanted for so long, on a responsible thing that, is, that isn't a waste. It's a new phone. Yeah. I needed a new phone. Yeah. 
<clears throat> I bought the new iPhone SE, which is basically the 11, but cheaper. Um, yeah. I think I got that too. It's about 500 bucks outside of the 11's $1,100. So I was like, yeah, fuck it. Oops, yeah. sorry. Early for an early for an F bomb. Nah. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, that's I just pride myself for doing that. Um, Ryan, you were not able to do downright annoyed with movies this week. No, but I know someone who did. I filled in for you. I uh, watched some of it. I, I I didn't watch the movie yet, so I'm gonna watch it this week. Uh, so I didn't watch the whole thing. Yeah, that's fine. My, Michael uh, Michael Carl's downright nerdy podcast and uh, Jackson of Bored Annoyed. They the you know I I asked them like you know. I've seen the movie. Uh, if Ryan can't do it, if you guys need an extra, like, I don't mind. So I, and like, this was like two hours before they were ready to go. So I put in that movie again, rewatched it. And I, and I joined that movie is awesome. It's a good movie. I haven't seen that movie since college. That movie is great. I'm more of a fan of Disturbia starring Shia LaBeouf. We brought that up. I brought that up actually in the, uh, yeah. Thing. And I, I want, I want to real quickly say, I said it on board. I said it on downright annoyed with movies, but I want to say, uh, the two, the two, Hitchcock remakes, the two prominent ones, Psycho and Rear Window, not good, not good movies. However, the Psycho remake starring Vince Vaughn as Patrick Bateman, Vince Vaughn is really good. And American Psycho up in your brain, dancing with an axe. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Who's the bad guy in Psycho? What kind of what's the name of the hotel? Bates, Patrick Bates. Bates. Norman Bates. Norman Bates. Thank you. Ben, don't help them. No, no, Ben, help me, help me. <laughs> um, uh, yes, thank you. Uh, Norman Bates. So Vince Vaughn is really good in that movie. I truly think that Vince Vaughn as Norman Bates is really good. And uh, uh, Rear Window stars Christopher Reeves in one of his final performances post-accident. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he's really good in that movie also. Those movies are not good, but if you can sit through them for the performances by those two actors, I think they're worth it. However, watch the originals because those are masterpieces. Yeah. Um, I'm doing a lot of research for a thing, so I decided to rewatch Atlantis The Lost Empire because, hell, that movie's awesome. Oh, hell yeah, it is. Did uh, they find it? The Disney movie Atlantis The Lost Empire? Did they find the empire? Yeah, they found it. The whole movie's about the... I'm joking, Brady! <laughs> I know. The Lost Empire! <laughs> Did they find it? Uh, yeah, I think that movie is... I think that movie is excellent. Uh, the animation is gorgeous. Uh, there's really not a whole lot I can say about, the, about those movies. I just watched really two really great movies this weekend, uh, th- this week. And Atlantis is just so good. Anyway, um, but I was in an adventure mood all week because of Atlantis. Um, so I finished Uncharted 3, finally. Good. Uh, it's been a long time since I started it. I stopped about halfway. Well, actually, I found that it was a quarter way. Um, <laughs> I, I stopped about a quarter way through because I played one, two, back to back, and then I started three, and then I just stopped, and then I didn't go back. Uh, but thanks to uh, Sparks, I now have PS Plus, and one of the games for last month was Uncharted 4 that I could download for free. So I was like, you know what? Hell, I, I'll do that. I'll download Uncharted 4. And so I really want to play that, so I finished Uncharted 3. Uh, that game's really great. I really like the story there. Um, it only reinforces my idea that Mark Wahlberg is not a good pick for Sully. Um no, but not at all. No. Uh, and then I started Uncharted Four, and that game was really great so far. So I'm, I'm, I was really excited with the uh, adventureness going on in my life. I think two and four uh, are the best ones. I think two is the best one, but then four is second best. I really liked two. Two, man, two is so good. God. Yeah. Um, I finished. I started and finished Solar Opposites. Wow. 
Oh, the new uh, the new uh, Justin Roiland series on Hulu. Uh, that show is fine. Yeah, I did not think it was particularly great. I like Rick and Morty a whole lot. Uh, I didn't like this one a whole lot. However, there is a subplot, and it's in the po- it's on the poster, so I don't mind saying it, there's a subplot where one of the kids shrinks people and puts them in a wall in their bedroom that subplot is the best thing of the show and i wish that was the whole show i know this is i know justin roiland's involved is dan Harmon involved at all no no okay that that might explain why it's why it's not as good as Rick and Morty. yeah but that but, so the seventh episode is all about the wall the, the shrunken people in the wall and that episode is the best episode of that show and might be on par with everything that rick and morty has done uh, I like that episode a whole lot. I was super engaged in that. I really enjoyed that. How many episodes? Eight. It's eight episodes. Okay. About a half hour each. It's quick to go. It's quick. Oh, to go. That's, yeah. It's hours. Yeah. 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 Um, I watched the first episode, but we haven't gone back yet. I uh, I'm a fan of Justin Roiland, uh, just as like a talent that he's been mm-hmm. um, in a lot of shows. But I I did feel like when this first launched that it felt like. Trying too much to bring, trying too hard to bring too much of the Rick and Morty energy to it. I wish it felt a little more distinct of more its unique. own product. Yeah, mm-hmm. it it feels like a an unofficial spinoff. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Uh, it it it's the uh... and I know that's hard because like Royland, part of Royland is in Rick and Morty, so it's yeah. it's hard for that to not bleed into this. But it, it just feels very uh, copying. That's the thing. Like, if he, this is like, okay, like, oh, Dan Harmon has Rick and Morty. Like, we co created it, but like, now I'm going to do my own thing. Why? Like, I personally wouldn't want to make the same thing I just made. So, like, may, maybe it's just like what he felt comfortable doing, like, on his own. And it's, who knows? Maybe it'll get better second season. Who knows? Maybe. And like I said, the subplot, the subplot with the shrunken people has a lot of potential. I really liked it. Yeah. Um, and I finished. Uh, Middle Ditch and, Sw- and Schwartz, based off Ryan's recommendation. The three-episode improv show on Netflix. Uh, that's great. Uh, ben- Benjamin Schwartz is such a good pantomime, and the two of them are so good at improv. I was hysterical uh, through all three episodes. The third episode kind of starts off a little slow. I wasn't sure I was going to like it as much. By the end of it, I was on the floor. Is the so- third one the, the um, which is the lawyer the lawyer one, the second one? Where they're all like lawyers. Yes, or, the second one. The second like, one. The, there's like interviews and stuff. The third one is the one in the with the interviews. Okay. The second one is the one where they're taking the law class. Oh, okay. And yeah. The, and the first one is the parking lot wedding. God, there's there's just one part where, uh 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 middle uh uh what's his name uh, Thomas Middlevich uh he like gets in the character and like he's very quickly like. Uh, can we change this character? This is too real for me. And like, he yeah. actually like getting like emotional, like pretending to be this character. And he's like, are you getting emotional right now? And he's like, yeah, can I switch characters? And I'm like, this is so good. Like the, 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 so parts good. They, the parts where they break character. Like there's a bit where it, like, there's like that bit you're talking about is like, can I add something goofy to this character? Cause like, yeah. and he's like, wait, are you real right now? Is this you or is this the character? He's like, it's both. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God. Uh, I highly recommend you guys watch that. Like, it's like it's the hardest I've laughed in a long time. Like I yeah. might rewatch it again. Like if you watch it soon, like that is just a pick me up like no other. Yeah, it's really funny. Yeah, I got time now. Got time to be high. <laughs> uh, man, yeah, get high and watch it. That'd be great. Yeah, approved. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's all I got though. 
That's all I have. That's Look all. That. We didn't take an hour. <laughs> I love no. it. Uh, shall we get into our bread and butter? And here's your bread and your butter. Here's your bread and butter. Okay, okay, not in my ear. Thank you. Lathering up the butter. We got a lot to get through with bread and butter. There was a lot of exciting news and some sad. So we'll get to the sad and then we'll get to the exciting. Um, so there are quite a number of deaths this week. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, it started with Jerry Stiller, um, Ben Stiller's father. Fun fact, I don't know that. I don't know why I didn't know that. You, you didn't know that, really? I, I really didn't know that. What? Dude, that's so crazy. Yeah. Uh, Jerry, Jerry Stiller. I guess I just never I just never knew the actor's name. Until it's just, I mean, it's it's funny because like even though they have done stuff together much earlier in his career, they are often doing stuff together, like in interviews or they're talking about each other or like like it's just that's very interesting to me. Uh, yeah. I feel like I, that's like a common thing. I didn't know because every time I saw I saw Jerry Stiller, I always thought, oh, that's George Costanza's dad from Seinfeld. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's all I knew him from. I didn't know. I thought he was just like another one of those actors who I know, but I don't know. Well, I, I knew I knew him. I knew him as a very prominent comedic actor who had been George Costanza's father on Seinfeld. And uh, the King of Queens dad. Uh, yeah, I knew him. I was say, yeah. just throw King of Queens yeah. under the bus for signing. <laughs> um, I mean, look, he's the he's the actor who created Festivus. Come on. Yeah. Um. So like, I. I oh wait, that comes from him. Yeah, that comes from him. I thought that came from Kramer. Never mind. No, Kramer got into it because of him. Oh. A very oh, funny okay. episode. It's it's quoted to hell, but it's a very funny funny episode. Um. Yeah, anyways, on that one. Sorry. <laughs> So he 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 died this week at the age of ninety two years old, uh, no cause given. Uh, but Ben Stiller announced on his Twitter on his uh, social media accounts this week. It's very sad. Yeah. Um, Fred Willard, another prominent comedic actor, uh, passed away this week at the age of eighty six. Um, Fred Willard, man, what haven't you seen him in? I there's the so only, many things he shows up in. I can't even know. I don't know where to start. The only live actor to ever appear in a Pixar film. That is true. He is the uh, the president of by and large. Yep. Holy shit, you're right. Yeah. Oh man. The uh, only actor. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a good movie. And a good I know him from, I was gonna say American Pie. I know him from the American oh. Pie movies. Yeah. Uh, Gosh. No, that was, no, that's a di- that's a different guy. That's not Fred Willard. Oh god. Bro, it's he's an American Wedding. I got it right here. <laughs> no, I was I was it's thinking a long, of, it's a long, long list. list. Yeah. Long career. Oh, my god. He's he, in a Scooby Doo movie. Yes, he is. Yeah, he he talks. You know, his his daughter talked about how like he's always been happy and 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 laughing all day, and he just constantly loved work and is such a great uh, positive talent. And but he died this week at the age of eighty six from natural causes. The you know the amalgamous thing that we used to die of before COVID. Um, yeah. <laughs> when people just die from being old, unfortunately, yeah. that also happens. Yeah. Of course, he was the uh, Ron Burgundy's director in Anchorman. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Forget that. Yep. Yep. You are looking at your phone. I see that. I know. You could, do, I you could do a whole episode just talking about Fred Willard's appearances. Yeah, you could. We're not going to do that. Ben. Ben, put your phone uh, away. Not, I, that. That's a dude I'm I respect. Just, I respect uh, the hustle. Because just, he... Uh, can I... Talk, can I yeah, Ryan. Um, uh, that dude loved... He just loved working, so he appeared in like straight to DVD movies. There's a Christian Netflix... Uh, like a Christian Netflix, and he appears in a bunch of those movies just because, like, he thinks like they're like good valued and stuff like that. So he's just like he seems like a good dude, just like to be an actor. I'm like, yeah, rest in peace. He man. just he just really liked to work, yeah. and it showed. Yeah. He did a lot of mockumentaries with um 
Oh my god, I just had the guy's name in my head. He did Spinal Tap with Rob Reiner. Not it was not Rob Reiner, but it, I'm not thinking about I'm not thinking of Rob Reiner, but it, I, he did a lot of mockumentaries uh, with a specific guy. I forgot the name. Um, Lynn Shelton passed away the same day. Uh, she was an she's a prominent indie director. She passed away this week. She worked with uh, Ellen Page uh, a lot. Um, she's also directed many TV episodes such as Netflix Glow. Mm. Um, she's, she's a prominent talent in the independent uh, in the independent world. She was one of the directors that was uh, talked about for Black Widow uh, before she said she said she didn't want it because she liked having her own creative control. Oh, was that her? Where she was like, I don't want someone to do the stunts for me. Like, no, they want someone else. That oh, was okay. the second director. She was the first person they approached for Black Widow. Gotcha. And her only quotes for Black Widow were like, "Like the more money you get in a thing, the less creative control you have." So I want it. So I, I prefer to do things with le- with less money. That's true. Um, she passed away this week at the age of 54 due to a blood disorder. No other cause given. Okay. Yeah. But young, 54. Yeah, I saw a lot of celebrities I, I like and follow posting pictures and telling stories about her. It was yeah. really sad. Yeah. Um, Martin Pascoe passed away this week. Um, most prominently, Martin Pascoe was the co-writer of Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Oh, okay. uh, he wrote for many comics for DC, uh, wrote for Batman the Animated Series, obviously. Um, he wrote books for, he wrote issues of Saga Swamp Thing. He wrote episodes of Cheers. He wrote comics of Superman. Uh, he it, Generally, if you have seen a thing or read a thing, he has worked on that thing, is basically what people were talking about. Like, this guy was everywhere. This guy had his hands in everything. Um, He's a prominent, prominent writer. Uh, he passed away at the age of 65 this week uh, due to natural causes. Uh, and then over on the east, in the far east, uh, is that racist? I hope not. Uh, Kum- what's your next thing you're going to say? <laughs> Kumiko Okay passed away. I think it was. <laughs> Oops. Uh, <laughs> prominent Japanese actress. Uh, a voice actress for many Studio Ghibli films, such as the the cat, what was the cat one that Carrie L, L is dubbed dubbed in? My neighbor Totoro. No, Carrie L was wasn't in that one. So um, he plays cat. Studio Ghibli cat film. No, all right, whatever. I I know which one you're talking about, but I don't remember the name. She's in the Japanese version of that one. Anyo? No, no, it's um. <laughs> I'll look it up. Liam Neeson's in that one. Yeah, he is in that one actually. <laughs> um. So she she was also in uh, Pokemon. She did a cat lot returns. of. I knew it was something. Like that. I was going to say the cat comes back. Mm. The cat returns. The cat returns. She she was one of the main characters in the cat returns over in Japan. Yeah. Um, she was in Pokemon. Uh, she's a prominent voice actress. She also did some live action. She did some hosting of some game shows and things like that. Uh, she passed away this week at the age of sixty three due to complications of COVID nineteen. Oh. A lot of a lot of great talent passed away this week. Yeah. Sad to see. A lot of great talent passed away this past two months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's get into the exciting news. Um, is it? Is... I have really exciting news here. I have no idea what you're about to say. So. <laughs> okay. Uh, you guys know I'm a huge Star Trek fan. Oh, God. Sorry. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> uh, well, the... This is this is excellent news for me. Uh, I was really excited to hear this to hear this happen. This has been rumored for quite a while. Uh, Anson Mount portrayed Captain Christopher Pike, the second captain of the USS Enterprise, um, on Star Trek Discovery season two, and uh, he was really well received, even by myself. I thought he 
brought such an energy to that show and such an excitement. I, I loved seeing him every single time he was on the, on board. Ethan Peck came on board the show as Spock and um, Rebecca Ramajan, uh, Mystique. Rebecca Ramajan. Thank you. Rebecca Romain, the original Mystique from the X, from the first of the X-Men movies. She was number one, uh, his first, Captain Pike's first officer from the original Star Trek pilot, The Cage. Um, there's been rumors and speculation that they wanted to do a TV series with those actors. And now they have finally announced that there is, in fact, a Star Trek show called Star Trek Strange New Worlds in development from CBS All Access, which will see the return of Captain Pike. Uh, based on the years of Captain Christopher Pike man, manning the helm of the USS Enterprise, um, this is a full show. It's happening. Uh, uh, Anson Mount, Ethan Peck, and Rebecca Romain, thank you, Romain, uh, will return to reprise their roles um, from Discovery Season 2, and I'm stoked. So that's really cool. Uh, I know you wanted this. This sounds really dope. Uh, are you concerned about Star Trek oversaturation at this point? 100%. There are seven Star Trek shows in active development right now. Yeah. Okay, that's all I wanted to know. Yep. See, this is what's so... Even though this sounds really cool and probably like the best of the bunch, I'd be concerned about that too. Hey man, I mean, we were excited for Picard. Not that it was bad. I don't think it wasn't exactly what you wanted, right? No, I mean, but I knew what to expect with Picard. With this, I mean, because... And even so, like, I knew what to expect with Picard and I was a little disappointed. I was a little disappointed in it, but the... uh, this is going to go back to kind of the exploring strange new worlds of Star Trek. It's more, they're talking about it being more episodic in nature. Obviously there will be a uh, character development that will continue throughout. They're not exactly resetting after each episode, but each episode will be a self-contained story rather than a whole self-contained story arc throughout the, se- throughout the season. Uh, like a Star Trek show? Like a Star Trek show, which uh, I much prefer. I, I do want to point out that I didn't mean like this show is a bad idea. I just meant like, this is probably the show that they should have had and all the other shows maybe shouldn't be around or at 100%. least. 100%. Cause that's what I was getting at. The idea that this is the one that people were clamming were clamoring for, but now there are three animated shows in development, obviously Picard and, D- and discovery. And there was a section 31 show and active development. Mm-hmm. There are seven star Trek shows and in star Trek's height, is the, I mean, we're in a new height of Star Trek, but in Star Trek's height, there were only two shows on air at one time, and the whole franchise collapsed under that weight. Yeah. Like, that's not... Uh, yeah, I guess it helps that, like, CBS has decided they're a streaming service based entirely around Star Trek and Twilight Zone. Yeah, right. Um, I'm really curious about the numbers, because, like, Star Trek's not cheap, and, and we'll talk about it, but Twilight Zone does not look cheap either. Like, they're... They, they've got to have a big subscription model to keep pumping out these expensive shows, right? They, they have to. And like, it's got to be doing a lot better than people think because they're I mean. still putting in a lot of money. My fear is that under Kurtzman, this model seems more like quantity over quality. Yeah, I 100% agree. And I, think, and I think that the Pike show will probably be pretty good, but I think even it won't be as good as you want it to be because all of them just fall short of achieving that true level of like compassion and dedication for the series that it deserves because they're too spread out amongst different projects and nobody's like coming in and being like, I have a passion to tell this story. It's just, Hey, everybody really liked Anson Mount. We better make a show about that yeah. guy. It's, it's, it feels like Brandon, like they're afraid. And I don't mean this in a negative way. They're afraid to make Star Trek boring. 
they're afraid to just make it people talking. Like, they, well, like not, Discovery is such an action show sometimes. Like, yeah. like I haven't seen all of it, but like, like I, I've seen, uh, I haven't seen all the Star Trek like you have, but I've seen a number of the seasons or the, of the series. And I know it's a lot of just people walking around talking about politics and shit. And that stuff's great. That's why people like Star Trek. Well, one of the things that, that I find really interesting and really telling is that whenever people talk about what Star Trek is about, they say, oh, hope and optimism. Hope and optimism are such amalgamous things that mean something different to everybody that there's just this kind of umbrella theme that people just, oh, what's the talking point about Star Trek? It's always hope and optimism. Star Trek isn't a, just about that. It's about the betterment of mankind. Yeah. When you really boil it down, it is about, as a person, how do you become better and how do you make the world around you better? And that's what Star Trek has always been about is we find those, we're not going around strange new worlds being like, look how weird that is. We're going around strange new worlds, learning something about ourselves, trying teaching them something about how to be better. So that's what they they really, so what they really need is just one really dedicated premium show done by Aaron Sorkin and no (laughs) other shows right now. The newsroom (laughs) enterprise, you know, I know Brian Fuller is still attached is still, attached to discovery as executive producer uh but man would have killed for a brian fuller star trek show and also that quentin tarantino thing is like not real it's probably not happening uh and i i don't necessarily want him to make a rated r star trek thing but at least the script would be top notch yeah at least star trek would never it would never (laughs) the conversations would be like hilarious incredible the techno babble that he would just be like yes like (laughs) oh man that's what i would look forward to um, so like I said, this, this show will be more episodic, uh, in nature to, uh, to Discovery and Picard. Um, this is where I'm excited for the show. And I, all of these are valid points. The Star Trek oversaturation against seven shows. That's ridiculous. Um, you know, the fact that this, that the chief, that the chief creative people on this, sh- on these projects don't just understand it on a fundamental level, um, is always going to be a problem, which makes all these shows fall short. Um, but the series premiere was written by Akiva Goldsman. And Akiva Goldsman wrote the, uh, is helming the series with Alice Kurtzman and Je- Jenny LeMay, which these, those three are the main creative people around Star Trek. And I think there's a couple of more producers that have come on board just for this. Uh, they have yet to really nail down a showrunner. Um, Akiva Goldsman sucks. He's, his name is everywhere all the time. Yeah. And he's done good stuff, but it's mostly been bad, I think. It, he's, uh, who's the director of, si- Simon? Kinberg. Kinberg. He's Simon Kinberg. Like, there's good stuff attached to his name, yeah. but he is not primarily responsible for that good stuff. Uh, yeah. So, look, the, I'm excited for this cautiously, much like I was for Picard. This is the show that I've been asking them to make since they started, so... Put it to you this way. Would you rather have this show, not necessarily badly, but half-heartedly, or just not have it at all? That's the, that's, you just defined the whole franchise right now. <laughs> I said, well, that's kind of what I'm saying. Is like, I mean, I, you're, you're absolutely yeah. right, because to get to like my, my like deepest feelings about Star Trek, honestly, pull the whole plug. Right. I'm saying all seven of these shows, pull it, gone. Because yeah. to me, this is not the best that Star Trek can be. And it's showing an entire generation of people the worst that Star Trek can be. Yeah. And I don't think that's right. Sure. But if we're getting them, there is some some good stuff in them. that I, I'll put it to you this way. 
uh, Star Trek has yet to disappoint me in the same way that the Crimes of Grindelwald or the Rise of Skywalker did. Into Darkness? This is, I mean, this is this is part of the reason why I posed the question because you're the most invested in Star Trek. Yeah. And I'm wondering, like, I know that this is the, I, I would argue this is the most exciting project to you so far yeah. of the new Star Trek stuff, which means I think it has the highest weight to disappoint. Mm, true. And I, I just, from what I've gathered from you and others, I just don't have any reason to believe that this show is somehow going to be on a quality level that is considered consistent to the original shows when none of the others, even Picard, have been able to reach that level. You're right. Uh, Especially when you have a character like, if, if Picard, which is supposed mm-hmm. to be like, you know, mm-hmm. it's John Luke coming back, it's Patrick Stewart, if that's not like a 10 out of 10, then what hope is there, right? There's always hope, right? That's what not this, not this timeline. There's hope. There's Black Bolt. Oh, can't speak though. I mean, if Anson Mount still brings in his his damn good charisma, like I, he'll at least give me something to watch. Casts have not been the problem with these new shows. That's true. Well, I'm not crazy about the whole cast on Discovery. Sure, not the whole cast, but I mean, like you got Jason Isaacs in there. I know the lead, uh, whose name escapes me, comes from The Walking Dead, and she's talented. She's good. Though I haven't watched the show. But I know that there are talented people. Michelle Yeoh's on is, Discovery. Is Discovery. Yeah, okay. Yeah. She's so got, the headline, the Section 31 show. Right. You've got talent on those screens. Uh, I'm far more concerned about the people behind the scenes. Yeah. yeah. That's true. Uh, but we will wait and see. I mean, it's like, look, like I said, seven Star Trek shows in production right now. This show's not coming out in the next year. So we got some time. Also, much like the Transformers writing room where there's like seven movies in production, I don't think they're all happening. I think that Section 31 show is dead. They haven't talked about it in a long time. Yeah, that's a that's actually a good point because this is all Paramount. This they is how love, Paramount love likes writing's to, room, writing room. This, this is how Paramount likes to run things. Well, uh, no, this is, CB, this is CBS. But I mean Paramount owns CBS. No, CBS owns Paramount. It's different. Okay. So, but but it's still the same people in charge overseeing things. So, like, CBS owning Paramount and having them do a writer's room for Transformers is still the same. Mm, true. But, I mean, well, hold, hold on. I'm sorry, I misspoke. Uh, CBS recently bought Paramount. This is a recent development. Okay. Uh, Paramount so and Viacom. CBS used to be separate companies. So okay. Viacom doesn't own Paramount anymore? No, Viacom and CBS merged. Oh. And CBS and Paramount became a... Be, became something under Viacom CBS. Gotcha. So corporations, how do they work? Right. That's why CBS All Access is now going to rebrand and put all the Paramount stuff on them because they can. They now own Paramount. Oh, what, what's it going to be called? Just C- CBS All Access New. <laughs> oh, <laughs> new, new. Um, yeah, they're rebranding and doing a whole thing, but we don't know a whole lot yet. Okay. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. I'm like I said, with all the Star Trek shows, I'm cautiously optimistic. Yep. Um, all right. So, uh, but. Great points, Sparks. Like wonderful points. I like that a whole lot. Uh, thank you for that. Um, yeah, I just I was just curious, mostly. Uh, you know, uh, do you think that this has the potential of being the Grindelwald for the new Star Trek? If this show tanks on you, are you done? Are you done with the Kurtzman era? You'll always have the originals, baby. Oh, it depends on how bad this show is. Sure, because <laughs> there was a, there was a level of disappointment that Grindelwald hit. That made me just done with Harry Potter. So uh, I I vaguely know 
how Discovery's first season ends and how that led to Anson Mount and everything. Um, I'm wondering if the new Anson Mount show will have a season finale that kind of goes up its own ass in a really bad way is what I'm anticipating. Mm, maybe. Oh, Kirk's showing up on that show, right? They got Spock and Discovery, right? He's showing up they, on that show. Kirk doesn't show up for another 10 years. But he won't be a he can't cameo at all? You don't think they'll do it? They, they won't pull that bullshit? They're, they, they're gonna, gotta, they gotta. Hey, look, I'm in Starfleet. I'm a bubble I, I'm gonna say that they shouldn't, but no, I'm not going to discredit that they won't. I'm just thinking of a boardroom guy saying, "Yo, what if we got James T. Kirk in the show? Fans would love it." Yeah, they'd have to. They'd have to make him a commander or a lieutenant or something, because he can't uh, be a captain. If Kurtzman yeah. has his way, the end of uh, of the Anson Mount show will be the opening of the J.J. Abrams Star Trek film, and oh you'll see God. Pike go Kid, to the bar. What's your to get, name? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. He transforms into. They reshoot. That would do it. Nine. That would do it. Nine with uh with the new Christopher Pike. Yeah, yeah. That, would, oh, that wow. would be no, because Pike didn't meet Kirk until Kirk went on the Enterprise. It was the first time Pike. Sorry, that would do I it. Don't know. That I would... saw the J.J. Abrams movie. J.J. Abrams movie is a different universe, Ryan. I don't know. It's a it's an alternate reality that was changed drastic. Okay, I'm done with this. I know, Brandon. I know. I'm done with this. Now I'm mad. <laughs> <laughs> what the timeline? <laughs> oh, okay. That's exactly the kind of detail Kurtzman wouldn't pay attention to, and then right. do. And be like, wait a minute, that's not possible. It would be, it would be like the newest season of Clone Wars, where it goes with Revenge of the Sith, but it'd be the bad version of that with the new movies. Man, I, man, man. Okay. Season season two of Discovery had a really good episode where they revisit the pilot of Star Trek. I, I like that episode. Right, anyway, whatever. Happy COVID nineteen news. I put here because oh. there's because there's good things that came out of the the massive delays that have caused the COVID news that, that have caused the entertainment industry to shift in a drastic and unpredictable way. Do tell. Well, Hamilton the musical ah, was originally well. going to be put in the, in a theatrical release. <laughs> On October 15, 2021, a year and a half from now, uh, and it was going to have a proper theatrical release from Disney. Well, now Disney has announced that it will debut the, the musical on Disney Plus on July 3rd of this year. That's so soon. Yeah. God bless America. That's that's awesome. That's, that's really fantastic. cool. Uh, I am someone who I don't listen to like I don't listen to musicals without seeing them first. So I, besides random internet videos, I've never listened to Hamilton except for like the the what's it called Good News with Jim Krasinski. Yeah, he had some like, Good News with some John good Krasinski. News. They did the opening number. Yeah, they did the opening number. So that's the most I've ever seen of Hamilton is somebody else singing the opening number on a Zoom call. Well, that was the all the original cast. No, yeah, I think and uh, what I mean is like I'm excited to finally experience it because like i haven't been spoiled by listening to the soundtrack it'll be fun to watch out with times i yeah i think this is go ben i was gonna say i've been curious to see the musical because everyone i know has who because i'm still in in good contact with a bunch of my friends who were big into musical theater back when i was in high school they could not shut up about how good hamilton is and of course those tickets are so hard to get that's like, well, I'll probably never go see the show. And they're like, oh, have you listened to the soundtrack? I was like, I'm, I'm like, right. I don't want to listen to the soundtrack until I've actually seen the show. And I think now, Lin- like- Lin-Manuel, Lin-Manuel Miranda spoke heavily about how you know they want as many people as possible to see this movie. And because the show was so expensive, he they filmed this years ago. 
This is the original Broadway cast. Awesome. So they filmed this so long ago. And so when Disney was putting it in theaters, like that was the first time that everyone was like, okay, now everyone can see it. But now that it's getting on Disney Plus now, in two months, like, man, everyone's going to get to see this see this musical just the way that, that it was intended. And I think that's awesome. Which yeah. it's fine with me because so now I don't have to either fly to New York or spend hundreds of hundreds of dollars on tickets that I'm probably not going to get and get a horrible seat behind someone who I can't see behind. I mean, I, it, look, it's, it's no, it's not the same as seeing it on stage. I'm sure True. that would be incredible, but it's uh, unlikely for many people. So it's cool that, yeah. that we get to see this. I get to it's see not it, the so. same as being in the room where it happened, but it is like watching a recording of the room where it happened. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. At least I could, after this, I could honestly say I saw Hamilton and I could say either whether I loved it or I hate it. And look, I was excited for the theatrical release, but now I'm just as excited as the Disney Plus release. Like, I get to see this in two months. I, I get to finally see Hamilton. That's oh, yeah. awesome. Also, it comes out July 3rd, right before 4th of July. So, America. America. It's oh, a stage it's show it. as the one person who has seen it. Yeah. Um, it's a cool stage show. I can't yeah. wait to find out what actually happens to Alexander Hamilton. I, will I say, haven't been spoiled yet. I will say, I think. In certain aspects, the music is better than the stage production itself. Uh, I think that what is cool about the stage production mostly translates better live than being filmed. But we'll see. I haven't seen the film version, but that's just my my initial impression. It's just cool that finally... Like, no, I agree. I agree. Okay. Um, the other thing is, uh, I have a question for you guys. I have an answer. Uh, you definitely do. Um what did the dates April 13th, 2018, February 22nd, 2019, August 2nd, 2019, and April 3rd, 2020 all have in common? The days I lost my virginity. All of them. All of them. Wow. I took them in incremental parts. <sighs> bases. Yeah. Okay. There's five bases. Did you guys know this? But there are four. <laughs> no, no, no. Man, you don't know there's, there's a secret there's home, base? first, second, third, and then the mound. You can't forget the mound. This has been derailed. I, I don't know what the... I, I don't know, I actually I don't don't know, know what the brand is, but I'm just going to play along. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they, they are all dates that the New Mutants was supposed to, be, was supposed to come out on. Oh. Five dates. God. Now. Now. Sixth date? Is it a sixth date, Brandon? The, the, sorry, yeah. so this is the fifth date. Like the, the, side. The, 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 new, the new date and the fifth time that new mutants has a, has a release date is august 28th 2020 bloody hell if this thing does not come out in theaters i'm scared ryan's gonna have an aneurysm it's not it's not because our shelter in place just got pushed in for two more months it hasn't officially yet not not officially but come on, we're in a pandemic. We need to do it. Anyway, a month from that, I don't want to go to the movie theater. Here's the thing. Even if New Mutants well, is Hold there. on, hold on. I want to point out, here's what's probably, like, it might it might keep its release date because a lot of other theaters will be open. But ours might not be. Yeah. <laughs> ours won't. Yeah. You have to travel out of state to see that shit. It's, it's, wait, I've waited three years, Ben. I could wait a couple more months. Yeah. So, re- the, so the reason why uh, I finally got a got a... I found I looked at I looked a bit online, and the reason why this movie can't just be put on Disney Plus or Hulu is because there is a pre-existing contract with HBO Now uh, that has to debut on HBO Now. So that's why we can't. That's why I can't go to Disney Plus. So fun fact, just thought that was interesting. Because Fox had a deal. Fox had a first deal. Twentieth Century Fox deal. Yeah. 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 
Um, so they, they inherited that contract. They could buy it out, but it might just be more trouble than it's worth. It feels like it if they're continuously doing this. Honestly, just, oh, man. Just release it on HBO Max. <laughs> yeah, I mean, man, I don't know. Do it. Just put it on the streaming service already. The film just, is done. Just put it out for God's sake. I just want it. I just want it to come out. I just want to see it because at this point, at this point, I feel bad for the inanimate object that is this movie. Yeah, yeah. I feel, I feel bad, for, bad for the director Josh Boone because, like, he's probably getting asked about this every single day, and he doesn't have any answers. The movie's been done. It's done. He's yeah. just like, you know, as much as I do, guys, it's out when it's out. <laughs> like, man. It's- it's wild. This is a movie that stopped filming. That finished filming in 2017. It's like he broke up with a girl in late 2016 and everybody's asking him about it. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh yeah, so remember Jessica? Like, this was years ago. Please. He's like, guys, I'm, I'm engaged. <laughs> yeah. Leave me alone. <laughs> I'm working on Paper Towns too. Come on. I just, want, right. <laughs> I just want this movie to come out. I just want it. I don't even, I don't even care if I don't see it. I just want it out. <laughs> And they did the thing like last week, or it was it this week last week, where they released new photos that we haven't seen before of like oh, last, week, last week of of like the demon bear in limbo with magic, and then another of like one of the smiling villains. And I'm like, those are clearly from the movie. Just put, come on, baby, why don't do that? They were talking about like I saw the tweet from Chris Hewitt of the Empire Podcast. It was like, it was like at this point, I fully expect New Mutants to move its date as I'm watching it. Yeah, <laughs> like you're yeah. watching it halfway. The theater shuts it down. It's like, hey, we have to put this movie out in three months from now. You can't finish the rest of it. Bye. It's the longest yeah. intermission in the world. It's three months long. Yeah. Or, or the or the other tweet was just like, they're probably just going to put it out screenshot by screenshot and make us put it together. I'm practically yeah. I'm practically at the point where I bet my bottom dollar we'll go to the theater to see it. We'll sit in there for 15 minutes and the thing won't start. And they'll say, we're having a problem with the projection. We're going to move you into another room. And they move us into another room for new mutants. And that one goes down also. Oh my God. And then it's like, you know what? All the prints are damaged. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is cursed. God. The, the old mutants now. All right. We got some the old mutants when we watch this movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. We got some, man, it must be weird that whenever there is a red carpet premiere for this movie, let's say hypothetically, hypothetically, this movie doesn't come out on August 28th, <laughs> in August. Uh, and there will be a red carpet premiere whenever it does come out. It's going to be weird that, like, the actors are going to be 15 years older. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man, I remember when I made this movie back when I was a young whippersnapper. <laughs> I, um, hope, I hope they come in old age makeup. Oh, my oh. God. It's been 84 years. Anyway, all right. Anyway, so Disney, some Disney news. Um, the Mandalorian is, seems to be the gift that keeps on giving to the Hollywood Reporter, because um, <laughs> they just they're just pumping them out. They got a guy. They they yeah. There's a leak at there's a leak in the Mandalorian. Um, Timothy Olyphant is apparently <laughs> in the show. Uh, he has filmed his scenes. Obviously, the whole season is done filming. Timothy Olyphant is an unknown role in the in the in the show. Cool. I was. I would assume he is just like like we had Bill Burr show up as just like a, a villain. Just like I'm sure he's just like a dude. Not everyone has to be a famous character. Or he's old Cad Bane. Nope. <laughs> I don't hate that. So, like okay, sure, but like how much like season two of The Mandalorian is going to be like the most fan service thing of all time. If this if if it continues like this, every character from every other show is going to show up, and I'm like, 
it's okay. I guess just give me my luck. Give me it. Num, num, num. Well, what's it, what I I trust a show like this, and after seeing like all the care that went into the first season with, with the, the new Disney Gallery series, yeah. uh, I trust a show like this to handle these like to handle legacy characters such as Ahsoka or Rex or whoever ends up showing into this into the show. Because once again, Disney has not said anything about this show. These are all leaks coming. Yeah, I really think because I, I I have conversations. I've had conversations with other people, and I really feel it's important to remind. We do not know officially that Ahsoka is in the show. No, yeah. that has never been said. Yeah. We do not know officially that Rosario Dawson is playing her. That has never been said. Right. Again, these are all these are all rumors. Every single thing that has come out of the of Mandalorian is all rumors and should be treated as such until there is a confirmation. Don't uh, we have like um like Daniel Sandberg's like Patreon to thank for this or something? <laughs> what was his name? Remember? <laughs> oh, I don't remember. Oh, this God. one. This one came from. I don't remember who the source was in the Hollywood Reporter, but last, last week there was like. Patrick something or other Patreon said something. Yeah. Um, that was for like uh, Ironheart. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Getting yeah, that was for Ironheart. Disney stuff. stuff, yeah. So I trust the creative talent behind the show, Filoni specifically, yeah. to handle legacy Much more than Star Trek. What? Much more than Star Trek. Oh, 100%. Um, <laughs> Um, I trust him to handle characters that we have seen before in a way that doesn't feel like fan service, in a way that feels natural and organic to the show mm-hmm. of The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Much like when Ahsoka shows up in Rebels. It doesn't feel like fan service. It feels like the natural progression of that show, Ahsoka showing up. Or the return of Maul. Or the return of Maul. And oh, Kong. yeah. That's a good one. So Which I, like the most fan service thing ever and somehow didn't. Yeah. And, and he became one of the best characters on the show. Yeah. I, I trust Filoni. Um, in Filoni, we trust. Yeah. The, yeah. I mean, like, like Spark says, I trust Filoni more than I trust every creative force on Star Trek right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I trust Filoni more than I trust almost every creative force on Star Wars. Yeah, for real. <laughs> yeah, it's not wrong. Um, Katie Sackhoff was also uh, announced from the Hollywood Reporter to be reprising her role as Bo-Katan from the Clone from the Clone Wars and Rebels TV series. She is the first actress to appear in animated form to jump to live actress to live act- action. It's cool. I mean, I, I, if if the rumors of that other character are true, maybe it could have been that. But like, uh, I like. I think we all like Katie Sackhoff. And like, yeah. uh, so this is where, like, if this is true, I don't believe the Rosario Dawson one. Yeah. I don't yeah. believe yeah. that Filoni would be like Katie Sackhoff gets to play her character Ashley Eckstein, who I love and adore, yeah. who has created this character. Yeah. She doesn't. I don't believe it. I don't yeah. believe that Filoni yeah. lets one happen and not the other. You think so? Yeah. Especially since Ahsoka is is a more popular character than, um, what's her name from the, what's the name of the, oh, thank you. Now, Ben, what's interesting about this, and I've seen a lot of people like argue how this, how, you know, this is feeling fan service, and I get that, but a show called The Mandalorian probably should have one of the more prominent Mandalorian characters in the whole franchise, and Mm -hmm. Bo-Katan was the leader of the Mandalorians last we saw. She was the last person to hold the Darksaber. Yes. In canon, until Moff Gideon showed up. Right. Death Watch. So, so it to me it makes sense that that character would show oh, up. In Mandalorian. She held it. In, she held it in Rebels. She was the last person in Rebels to have the dark saber. Okay. She led the yeah, I haven't gotten that. I haven't gotten to that part in Rebels yet. That's why. Right. And so when we see Moff Gideon with the dark saber in Mandalorian, well, I they assume that Bo-Katan was yeah. either dead or they have history. Right. So I think that's really cool that we're going to dive into what that story could mm-hmm. potentially be. Um, the other thing is, I think it's also interesting. 
if they continue with the Mandalorians not taking off their helmets, Bo-Katan's taking off her helmet all the day, all day long in Rebels. Oh, yeah. But in in Mandalorian, if they don't take off the helmets, she's probably not on set. She's doing voice work. Yep. But again, um, because she is a different like different set where she does take off her helmet, maybe they, they're not going to do the thing where like, oh, because this is the Mandalorian, they don't take off their helmets. She can't take off her helmet. Like yeah. to her character, she always takes off her helmet. So I wouldn't be surprised if she's like, "Oh, I don't do what you do. You're weird. You're like a you're a religious guy." I agree. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I I wouldn't. I would. I'm with you. I I agree. I think that's totally valid. Um, I um, but I, I would like to see her come back. I'll put this another way. Uh, I really believe that this is true. This seems that that yeah. Katie Sackhoff's character would appear that she's playing her. I really believe that. That makes a lot of sense. This makes me think Ahsoka isn't even in the season. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think Ahsoka is actually in the season. I think that was a rumor that got blown up. I don't think that's true anymore. And I definitely don't think Rosario Dawson's playing her. Yeah. I'm kind of with you on this one. I, I think I'm, I'm starting to believe this as well. I just, I just can't see it. I can't see Filoni uh, giving the shaft to Eckstein, who has been pr- as verbal as you can be while still working for the company and not biting the hand that feeds you about the fact that she would want to play Ahsoka in live action. Right. Yeah, I just I, I don't believe it. I agree. Um, one more thing about uh, Katie Sackhoff. Uh, I believe that I believe this one specifically because Katie Sackhoff, a couple of months ago, about when they were filming The Mandalorian, tweeted out saying, "Like I just did the coolest thing in my entire career." Mm, yeah. And you will find out soon. So I think that I think that's what this was. That makes a lot of sense, and mm-hmm. and that makes me feel all the more like Ashley Eckstein's been. She could be lying if she wanted to, but she's been pretty vocal that she has no idea what's happening with Ahsoka right now as of like a month ago. And I think she'd at least know if Ahsoka was showing up in this show. So I'm starting to think she's not in it. And there there are more rumors. Rumors popped up again this week about an Ahsoka TV series on Disney Plus. Look, I think more than I think that's the Rebels sequel TV series. That's just getting it's just getting like slipped through the pipeline as something else. I yes, agree. I agree. I agree. Yeah. And I'm not saying it's possible Ahsoka can appear on Mandalorian. I'm just saying I don't think it happens this season. Yeah. I don't think that that's been set in stone at all. Yeah, I agree. Um, I still want... like... Go ahead, Ren. Oh, you go. I was going to say, if they, like, it is again the Mandalorian, like, if they are introducing Boba Fett again and they're bringing Bo Katan back, then those are other Mandalorian characters. Introducing this ex Jedi, which would be cool, would kind of detract from that core story, unless it is like a side thing. So maybe, yeah. If this rumor is true, I think it is like a season three thing. Because it seems even, like they're focusing on this stuff. Even the rumors that Sabine is in the show. Right. Who's also I, a Mandalorian. That'd be so like the sick, idea, man. The ideas of Sabine and Rex and Ahsoka appearing make a lot of sense. Yes. In due time. I don't feel like it's this season. Yeah. I yeah. feel like those rumors are unsubstantiated and not true. And, uh, and I think that they're still waiting to put Ahsoka, to settle Ahsoka somewhere else before they would bring her to the Mandalorian. And again, like I just don't believe you bring Sackoff to her character and not Eckstein. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I that, feel, that feels so callous and shallow. Yeah. Like you can't bring Rex over voice actor to screen actor because we've seen him in Attack of the Clones, so that makes sense. But Ahsoka, nah. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I'm one hundred I'm one I'm one hundred percent with you. Um but we will see. I'm still I still think that Rebel sequel series has happened and we've heard too much stuff about it. I yeah, think that's where the focus story is going next. Uh, well, I think I think like the key thing is there is an inevitability that we get some kind of show revolving around 
what happens after where Rebels ends. Yeah. It has to happen. So it's going to happen somewhere. It's just not quite clear where. It's called Ghost I still want Dr. Afro to show up on the show, honestly. Uh, I think she'd be a good fit for the Mandalorian. Yeah. We, she's, she's bad, but we still too, don't, yeah. But Dr. Afra's like, final fate isn't clear yet, right? Is, she's yeah, still in the, in the comics, so it's, like, not clear that she survived, necessarily, Empire uh, ending, all kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I can see why they wouldn't want to get in the way of that yet. Right. Oh, we're talking about Star Wars real quick. Um, another game that I've been playing is Star mm-hmm. Wars uh, Empire at War, which is a real-time strategy Star Wars game where, like, you have you command, like, like uh, armies of spaceships and, and on the ground and stuff. Um, that game is 10 years old, right? But there are modders who are still modding the game, and I downloaded a mod for it that has characters from... Um, like the most recent stuff, like it has uh, Admiral Trench, the cool spider dude from Clone Wars. He's really cool. It has Ahsoka, it has Asajj Ventress, like all these characters who weren't around 10 years ago. Asajj Ventress? Mm. Ventress She was was in Clone Wars. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. But a lot of these like newer characters, like Rex and all these characters are like, like, man, it's cool that modders still care about these games. And I'm like, it's cool to like fight a giant spider dude in a 10 year old Star Wars game. Star Wars is cool, guys. Um, Alright, so Take this with the biggest grain of salt that you can find, guys. Pull it out and put it right on the floor. Um, Atlantis from Star Trek, and I'll put it right here. (laughs) (laughs) Atlantis, the Lost Empire, according to the Illuminati, which is a site I do not trust. Oh, not with that name. (laughs) Said uh, it claims that there is a live-action retelling happening of Atlantis, the Lost Empire. I, I guarantee you, in the next fifty years, there will be a new one. It's not this year. Yeah, okay. I, I would. Okay, so with Disney doing their live-action retellings recently by their track record, they're going after the more famous ones first, the ones that everyone knows in one way, shape, or form. Cinderella, Mulan, Lion King, specifically, Lady the Tramp, maybe not so. That's why they put it on Disney Plus. Peach Dragon was their gamble, and unfortunately, it didn't really pan out for them money-wise, not critically money-wise. But that's one. As as much as I would like to see the Atlantis Lost Empire, as much as I think Atlantis Lost Empire would be the best fit, that and Treasure Planet as the best fit for animated retellings, it's not going to happen anytime soon. Uh, I want to counter that for two reasons. Just because, um, remind me again, the Lilo and Stitch one that was talked about a while ago. That's also Disney Plus, right? Oh, it is. Instead of theaters, which shocked me personally, um, because of that, Ben. I do think it's possible this is true because I think Disney is trying to find a way to milk out more shows that will get people's attention on Disney Plus right now because okay. they are not going to they are going to have to change their budget for the live action films in light of the coronavirus. Right. So I see this as more likely now uh, than I would have a few months ago. Okay. That being said, I'm not saying that it's definitely happening, but the mm-hmm. idea that especially Atlantis over Treasure Planet. Oh yeah. Planet requires more film budget, oh, yeah. but Atlantis, I can kind of see them pulling that off as a Disney Plus show. Yeah, I do think they would do Treasure Planet before doing a Treasure Island again. Hmm. Because I think the budget, like they would, they obviously need a big budget for Treasure Planet, but they can do like a small scale. I think they have no interest in trying to do Treasure Island while they're still trying to make Pirates of the Caribbean films happen. Good idea. There you go. Good answer. Good answer. Yeah. I, again, I don't trust the source. Um, but I do think that there are people throwing out names all the time and some, uh, some intern probably heard something and then emailed their friend. Yep. Uh, 
so I, I do think that perhaps there is talks of something like this, but we'll see. Yeah, I, I, I don't know that I necessarily buy it's it's like in close development or anything, but I would say I believe more that Atlantis Lost Empire is going to go to Disney Plus than yeah. to theaters, whereas yeah. I feel like Treasure Planet could. Um, it, hey, just as the fact that Disney looks um um essentially like retells or does some or does something with Atlantis Lost Empire or Treasure Planet. Because both of those films are super underrated. They're really good films. I agree with you. I've been preaching this a long time that these are the mm -hmm. ones that should be revisited. Yeah. Um, yeah. We are with Little Mermaid about to come out. We are now at the end of the like golden guarantee box office of classic animated films being turned into. There's not really many of them left. After Little Mermaid and Hercules. Uh, well, because I, I was going to argue it, right? that Hercules isn't even part of that golden era. Not not the way they define it. Well, anyway. yeah, yeah. So Hercules being in development, and we know it is, is already a gesture of they're moving away from mm -hmm. the like true classics into other beloved Disney animated films. Yeah, We're already at the point where things like Atlantis, Lost Empire, and Treasure Planet can come up. Um. I really only put it in uh, because I wanted to bounce into the next thing. Uh, we had some other Disney stuff too. Uh, but this is awesome. There is a Percy Jackson TV series happening at Disney Plus, starting with Percy Jackson and the and the Lightning Thief for the first uh, for the first season. Um, Disney Plus is developing a live action series based on the series of books. Rick Riordan uh, made the announcement himself on his Twitter with his uh, with his wife, um, and they are going to be heavily involved with the show on a creative level. Super duper. I think that's awesome. Okay. Yeah. That's really great. I really wanted it to be animated. Yeah. We talked about that. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I, I think it's better animated. I, I wanted to say it here on the podcast because yeah. uh, Riordan's whole universe of books is massively expansive at this point because he's included uh, books by other writers about different cultures uh, at this point that are that still exist within his canon. Um, not to mention that he's done Egyptian, Norse, and Greek, and Roman. Yeah, His stories are so expansive at this point across all the mythologies, um, and you will never be able to translate that into live action. Yeah, I think if you're just going with just the Percy Jackson books, yeah, live action makes sense. But if you want to do the wider universe, it should be animated because then you have more, more opportunity for crossover without having to worry about the actors aging out of the roles. Yes. Yeah. Which will uh, happen. I, I will also say I have a really hard time picturing the last book of the Percy Jackson series as a Disney plus television production. Yeah. Um, we're talking about uh, the end of Avengers level battle in New York. Mm. Well, I mean, it is, it is the Titans battling the yeah. gods at the bottom of Mount Olympus, which is in Manhattan uh, in those books. That's yeah. That's going to be hard to translate. I mean, I've seen Crisis on Infinite Earth on the CW. If they can do that, then they then Disney can do, literally do anything. They can literally do anything. And Disney has a lot more money too. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> yeah, you I see know. what I'm saying? Yeah. Disney's got money. I'm not worried about it. I think, you know, depends depending on the money that they got. I, th I think they can probably make it work. But yeah, an animated series would have been really fun, and you wouldn't have to worry about things like budget budgetary complaints. Yeah, I'm happy for anything that brings more eyes to to that that stuff because that stuff is really really cool, really unique and really special. Um, and I'm glad that he's as he uh, is going to be as attached as he is. Yeah, he and his wife. Um, all right, 
comic-related stuff. We have some comic book news, but this is the related stuff, the stuff that's ad- ad- adapting comic books. Um, we got a release, release window for Superman and Lois, uh, the new series on the CW. That's January 2021. Coincidentally, that is also when every other show is coming out because screw fall premieres. Yeah. Except Legends and Supergirl. Yes, except Legends and Supergirl. Which have no date at this moment, Supergirl, because Melissa Benoist is, go- is pregnant. Oh, oh for her. If we're talking about CW stuff, do you have the Swamp Thing news? Uh, Swamp Thing has been picked up by the CW to air its first season. Why do you Why do you hate me so much? You forget, <laughs> you forget, you forget everything I love. That's the whole news. They picked up the first season to air it. Yeah, it's amazing, first of all, because they're picking up stuff to air in the quarantine while there's no new shows, but putting more eyes on it just makes it a little more popular. Maybe that Swamp Thing gets on the HBO show and they use just the same actors and stuff like that. You get Constantine, CW's cool. I'm saying watch Swamp Thing on CW, guys. It's free now. Literally no excuse. It does it does leave a possibility for like a revival of interest in Swamp Thing at least. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, a second breath for people to talk about it more. And um, maybe people can watch it now. Yeah. If the if a second if this in the um, I'll say not highly unlikely, but in the relatively unlikely event that this could lead to a second season, uh it would be a lower budget. Would you guys be happy with that? No, not okay. CW, Ni- no. Neither of us are convinced that this could lead to Swamp Thing getting a second season. No. What I am more convinced of is that he can have a Constantine type afterlife, just as his show had that one season, then he ended up in the Arrowverse. Swamp Thing could end up either in the Arrowverse himself, just which like he already Dark. has been established to exist in a parallel earth, or uh he can appear in Justice League Dark on HBO yeah. Max. Yeah. yeah. Um, I all I all I really intend is not necessarily for Swamp Thing to get a second season, but for that show to get more attention so that there is more interest in putting Swamp Thing in other projects going forward, specifically with Derek Mears and uh, the actor who played Alec. Mm-hmm. I forget his name right now. Andy, Andy, Bean. And, uh, Andy huh? Bean. Thank you, Andy Bean and uh, Allison. Uh, Crystal Reed. Crystal Reed. Thank you. Great who cast. played Allison uh, in Swamp Thing for those characters to come back. Yeah. Sure. Um, the uh, the she other news. Allison, for... who's Allison? No, she played Allison. Crystal Reed, right? So uh, she mean Abby Arcane. Abby, yeah, whatever. Okay. <laughs> I don't know where I'm getting. I'm proud. I'm proud. Leave of me you. alone, Ben. I'm proud. Leave of you, me ben. alone. You tried. Um, the other the other news is Superman and Lois is that they're going to have a crossover with Batwoman next year. That's a little weird, but cool. Uh, yeah. All right. And Superwoman. More because I'm surprised they're not doing a Batwoman Supergirl crossover first. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, guys. Uh, uh, Sam, no, uh, real quick, related to the CW stuff because none of us—I know none of us—watch it. But Supernatural's last season was split in half, and now that second half will air in the fall somehow uh, for the rest of it, even though production didn't finish on all the episodes. Oh, oh! So they're going to have to pick up production in like October or something to get the last episodes out. Jeez, weird. But there's been no official word on when production resumes Pushing for shows it like that to the limit. Yeah. Just let that show end. Um, all right, Sandman, guys. Sandman's pretty cool. It is. Sandman's a cool comic book written by Neil Gaiman. Um, we know for a while that there was an Audible uh, show coming out on uh, on Audible from uh, based off of Sandman. Um, they announced the cast for this uh, Audible uh, Audible show. Um, James McAvoy is going to play Morpheus. Uh, Riz Ahmed will play the Corinthian. Kat Dennings will play Death of the Endless. Taron yeah. Edgerton. Will play John Constantine. Hey, uh, all right. Samantha, Samantha Morton is going to play Urania Blackwell. Uh, BB New Newworth will play the Siamese cat. Andy Circus will play Matthew the Raven, and Michael Sheen will play Lucifer Morgenstar. 
Beautiful. It's a great cast. That's a, I'm going to definitely listen to this. Um, the rest, there are more uh, more in the cast. I highly recommend you guys look it up. There's wait, there's a lot of people, so I don't want to put it on here and bog down the news with just me reading all the names. But there is, John Jones is in the is in the thing. Um, uh, Arthur Darvel uh, from Legend of Tomorrow is going to be yeah. in it as well. Um, so yeah, so tons, tons, tons of really cool people, and Neil Gaiman is going to narrate the show. So That sounds extremely cool. Rad. It's going to adapt the first two graphic novels. I'm into it. Yeah, I think that's awesome. Can't wait for that. Um, we talked a bit about DC Universe Doom Patrol. Released that the, sef- that the second season will debut on HBO Max on June 25th, which is the same day it will debut on DC Universe. So cool. they're at the same time on both. Yo, that app's going to die. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, DC Universe is not long for this world. All of its shows now, all of its shows except for I think Titans are all on different networks. Um, so it's like, yeah, what's the reason if your all of your exclusive stuff isn't exclusive anymore? Yeah, yeah. I mean, but that's the thing. DC Universe was made before AT and T purchased Time Warner. No, for sure, it's just bad it's timing. Just, um, and like, I would be willing to keep DC Universe around if it came as part of like a package with a- HBO Max to keep just the comic stuff, but. Um, it would have to like lower that price point down because it's more than Disney Plus. It's more than Quibi. That's hard. Yeah. 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 Quibi. Um, all right. The, the, uh, it's more than CBS All Access. Peacock. That's well, Peacock's pretty expensive. I just wanted to say it. Peacock is. Um, You're going for no ads. Can I real quick piggyback off that about some HBO Max news that super went under the radar and I barely caught it? Hell yeah. Sure. Related to that, the same day that Doom Patrol's second season drops, J.G. Quintel created regular show for Cartoon Network. Mm. In 2017, he was supposed to have a new cartoon that was much more adult comedy oriented coming out on TBS called Close Enough. Apparently, that show is being dug off the shelf and finally releasing on HBO Max on June 25th. Wow. wow. I was on the shelf. You know what? Yes, I think t- what I have no idea. TBS like <laughs> never explained why, and JG Quintel like found out when HBO Max posted like a little announcement, and they sent it along to him, and it's like, hey, your show's going to be on HBO Max, and like a little preview thing, wow. and he had it on a video stream. He's like, oh, and I don't know if this means we'll get more seasons of the show if it's popular, but uh, I hope so because it looked like it was going to be just as good quality as regular show. Because uh, I remember, no, I remember seeing an ad for Close Enough like years ago yeah and me then too. nothing close enough yeah and well, then after, i thought jg quintel just quit. after we're done i just want to say like, i thought jg quintel just quit after like after regular show and then after close enough didn't do anything i thought he was just done they've had a whole season in oh. the can for years it does look like it yeah wow yeah tw- it's been shelved since 2017 wow yeah crazy oh. um okay uh sweet tooth more dc comics news uh, Sweet Tooth, a popular Jeff Lemire comic book that ended at the end uh, that came out around the tail end of, of uh, Vertigo's Golden Age. Um, we knew for a little bit that Robert Downey Jr. and Susan Downey's uh, Team Downey production company has been chopping it around. Um, Netflix has picked it up. Uh, they're going. They've uh, already greenlit eight hour-long episodes. Um, Jim Mickle, who did a who did Happen Leonard, and Beth Schwartz, who's the most recent showrunner on Arrow. Uh, will serve as showrunners for this show. Um, Christine Convery, Nanzo Anazi, Adil Akhtar, and Will Forte will star in the series. Cool. 
James Brolin is going to be the narrator on the show. Okay. James um, Brolin? James Brolin. Wow. Josh Brolin's dad. Yeah, I'm like, good for him. Follow the storybook adventures of, of Gus, part deer, part boy, who lives who leaves his home in the forest to find the outside world ravaged by a cataclysmic event. He joins a ragtag family of humans and animal children hybrids like himself in search of answers about this new world and the mystery and the mystery behind his hybrid origins. But yeah, he uh, Jeff Lemire posted about this and said that's really cool. And he said that there's also a new sweet tooth coming from DC Comics because uh, oh. of this. So, oh, that's that's cool. sweet, awesome. Yeah, from DC, right? It's just uh, weird to see, like, the, the DC book, Sweet Tooth. I'm like, well, I mean, it's not wrong. It's just weird to see it's called DC. Right? Yeah. Where's Where's Vertigo? Where's Black Label now? Where are you at? I mean, this will probably be Black, Black Label. It's still running yeah. around. It's everything else that's dead. Yeah. Zoom. Yeah. DC Zoom. Killzone. Oh, Jeff Johns recently came out and said that Killzone is not dead. That he's waiting for an artist to get fr- to be free from his Marvel contract in order to start it. Oh. Do you, did he say which artist? No. Oh man, I gotta look at the exclusive Marvel artist. Because he, because he talked about, he did an interview with DC Universe. My God, my God, the Twitter account when DC Universe said, "Hey, we're doing a Q and A with Jeff Johns." Don't look at those comments. People don't like Jeff Johns. Oh no, but it's 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 all Snyder cultists being like, oh, "That's yeah. like Jeff Johns oh, destroyed DCE." Blah, blah blah. My God, my God. They don't stop. They can't stop. They're like the Terminator. I know it's ridiculous. It's all released the Snyder Cut. All how did the snake Jeff Johns destroy destroy DCEU? Oh, what the hell? Yeah, so it's funny. wild. Like apparently, there's this rumor going around that Jeff didn't want the No Man's Land and Wonder Woman. Uh, so what? Whatever. That's not true at all. No, we know. But the studio did not want that, and all the creatives were like, "You need to put that in the movie," and obviously, it worked. What are they talking about? I didn't. I, I can't. I'll acknowledge <laughs> that I'm harsh on Batman v Superman, maybe too harsh, but I haven't revisited to really reassess. But I still, even with that, can't understand being so dedicated to one movie that's like Batman v Superman to the point where all these years later, I have formed this, they have robbed me of my one true God in film. Yeah. yeah. Yes, I agree. I can't. I don't understand that whole thing. How this is like slowly like a, one of like a Castlevania cult where they're gonna like start sacrificing people to Zack Snyder and like a bat's gonna come through a portal or something. Oh God. Anyway, but Jeff Johns Batman every DC movie post the Batman v Superman Suicide Squad thing has been so much better. Yeah, that little that those three movies right there. Everything else is like yeah, okay. Just gotta. I just I don't get it. Ignore the foundation. That's all you gotta do. Uh, I don't get it either. But anyway, so what I was saying was Jeff Johns uh, did talk a little bit about Killzone and some other things and uh, Three Jokers and things like that. That's well worth a read. I enjoyed it. Um, uh, but yeah, Kills- I was surprised when I was like, Jeff Johns says Killzone's not dead. I'm like, seriously? I was surprised I remember what it was called. Right. Um, all right. Uh, last week we found out that uh, Dwayne Johnson and... and um, hold on. Emily Blunt? Emily Blunt. <laughs> Thank you. I had it written down. Uh, Jan Johnson and Emily Blunt had uh, signed on to a, a comic book adaptation called Ball and Chain by Scott Liddell. Um, Scott Liddell and Ale uh, Garza wrote the original four-issue miniseries. Um, Netflix has picked up the adaptation um, starring the two leads. And Emily v-, Emily v. Gordon, who wrote The Big Sick, will uh, pen the screenplay. Awesome. Cool. Oh, yeah. Cool stuff. Dwayne Johnson just keeps on working. He's a working man. Hey, anything he does with Emily Blunt, I'm all for. 
they obviously have good chemistry because yeah. like they made jungle cruise or whatever they're like hey do you want to do that again yeah like, yeah for for those of you who don't know ball and chain is about uh two uh uh, to a married couple who hate each other and they want to get a divorce and then they get superpowers where they're forced to be together all the time or else they don't have superpowers anymore. Oh, it's Hand like it's comic. Okay. Um, all right. Now comics as in the books. Uh, Maestro is getting a new limited edition, limited series coming from Marvel Comics. Maestro is the future version of the Hulk from Future Imperfect. Um, Peter David is returning. Huh? Is Peter David writing it? Yeah, Peter David is returning to write the to write this five issue miniseries with uh, Dale K- Cowan, Cowan. I don't know uh, who wrote the Incredible Hulk, who drew the Incredible Hulk with Peter David and Germ- German uh, Peralta, who did Peralta is Jermaine. like is so good. He's like an upcoming like legend, dude. He's so good. He will also uh, uh, draw the draw the book. Um, it's going to go more in depth in, of the origin story of the character and kind of how he became from the Hulk to Maestro. Um, and that's coming out in August. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Maestro is like a future version of the Hulk with a big ass beard and he wears like cool chains and he just loves to beat people up and he's very cool. The last time uh, he, he's been, he was the villain in the most recent Old Man Logan series, right? Uh, he's one of them. He was, yeah, in the Ed Brisson one, not the Justin yeah. Miro one. And he also was in the Secret Wars, where he masqueraded as Odin for a little while until he yeah, said, yeah. until he got mad. Heck yeah, um, that was a good issue. Um, okay, uh, some uh, really shitty news. Well, that's oh. not the shitty news yet. Here's the shitty. Here's the not the shitty news. Uh, Harley Quinn is ending this current run of comics by Sam Humphries with issue number seventy-five, where she is going to go head to head with Joker's new girlfriend, Punchline. Who cares? Um, in August. That bums me out because Har- the Harley Quinn show is literally all about getting from under the Joker's, you know, like reign and like becoming your own person. And now she's like, and now in the comics, like, oh, I'm gonna f- go fight my ex, my ex husband's new girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, that's, that's why you don't read that book. You read Harley and Ivy. Yes, it's interesting. Like, I don't have any strong feelings towards Punchline whatsoever. Um, I, I understand. I understand that James Tinian was like, I miss Harley Quinn being, I miss Joker having a sidekick. I think that created a fun dynamic. Um, I've not seen anything from Punchline in the brief time that she's been in comics. I've not seen anything that grabbed me like Harley Quinn grabbed me when she first showed up on the scene. It's like super unique or makes her like stand out or anything. It's like, oh, yeah. it's, a, it's another Harley Quinn. Okay. Yeah. I didn't even know that Joker had a new sidekick. Yeah. Uh, she's, she. And that's the Punchline. She uh, she officially has not debuted in the Batman book that she was supposed to debut in, but Hell Arisen was her first appearance. And I read Hell Arisen and she was in that. So Batman 96 was supposed to be her first appearance before the whole COVID shit happened. Yeah, uh, that first appearance punchline is going for a lot of money because speculators are hilarious. Well, I've got Hell Arisen 3 speculators. Give me a price. Pop, pop. Look at that. Pop, pop. <laughs> pop, pop. Oh, dude from Harry Potter. Um, Supergirl uh, is uh, releasing its last two issues digitally only. Oh. Serves better. Man, uh, uh, Sterling Gates, uh, uh, writer of The Flash and the original Supergirl, or one of the Supergirl uh, comics from the pre-New 52. He was on Twitter. Yeah, he, he was on Twitter. I was like, wow, so my entire Supergirl collection is now ruined because I'm never going to be able to finish my collection because those yeah. last two issues aren't going to come out. That's yeah. the type of thing that, that, that is like, 
that that makes me so mad as a comic book collector. Two issues are, are you're never gonna get those. Like the ter- I'm so mad. Uh, the Terrifics will also release its last three issues. Uh, by the way, the Terrifics is still going on. Um, the Terrifics is the last book of the New Age of Heroes to to exist. Um, I that first arc. And it, it's going to release its last three issues digitally exclusive. Oh. <sighs> it's such a bummer for, again, like we talked about this last week, for both the creators and for the people buying the comic. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's it, again, it's a, it's a it's a shitty situation. Do you not put the books out? Do you not make money? Like, what do you do? Manufacture um, on demand. Manufacture on demand seems like a great thing to do, but no one's willing to do it. <laughs> so here, yeah. here we are. All right. Uh, Flash. Uh, the Flash is also coming to an end, um, in a more amicable way. Um, yes. Flash will end. Joshua Williamson will end his Flash run with Finish Line, which is the last arc of his run. Uh, issue 762 will be the last issue he does. Uh, that makes his run 105 issues total. That's um, insane. Cool. Yeah. That's that's crazy. Um, it's going to see Barry face off against the Reverse Flash and his Legion of Zoom. <laughs> so I that's kind of love that. Fantastic. You know what? <laughs> that makes me want to read that. <laughs> apparently, apparently that run, and I've seen bits of it, have been very good. It's super weird because, like, yeah, Flash is never a book that I hear like people talking about, but I always hear it's good, but I never hear like, oh, I recommend the Flash. But like people are reading it and it's good. And like people should talk about Flash more if it's good, man. I, I read I read the first arc because I was working at the comic book store at the time and I didn't put it on my poll list until it was too late. So I fell very far behind. And I'm interested in picking it back up. Right? Was that the very beginning? Godspeed. Yeah. Godspeed. Yeah. I read like the first two two arcs, I think. Yeah. The Godspeed and the Black Hole arc. I mean, this is the run that brought Wally West back in a big yeah. way. Um, like he really tried to define what made Wallace West Kid Flash different from Wally West, the Flash. Um, he created a but the speed force thing that created Godspeed and some new characters. Um it was pretty good. Uh, the Flash comics never really feel like they should be going as long as they do sometimes, but I have always heard nothing but good things about this run. Um, and it's, it, I know it was impacted by Heroes in Crisis because uh, editorial wanted them to use um, uh, Wally West for Heroes in Crisis, so Joshua Williamson had to alter his plans for Wally, mm-hmm. um, which sucks. But he was able to, now, he, now that Didio's gone... Um, <laughs> He's able to use Bart and Jay and Jesse Quick is coming back and Max Mercury is coming back. Oh, wow. Like all these speedsters from that have been that have disappeared since the new fifty two are all returning for this final arc finish line. Yeah, I saw a picture of Bart. Um and I was like, oh yeah. Like, Happy to see Bart back. Yeah. Um so yeah, that I think that's really cool. Um all right. Glad he got to finish his his long seminal run with no complications almost. Almost no complications, yeah, but um, primarily. Uh, I think I'm going to pick it up and trade. I'd be interested in reading Do we know thing. who's picking up the Flash next? No, not yet. We'll probably find out about next week, next month or so. Okay. Um, Donny Cates has quick news this week. We haven't, we haven't, we haven't talked about Donny Cates' news in a while, uh, but Donny Cates revealed that he is, in fact, working on a God Country spinoff. Mm-hmm. If fans of the show, long-time fans of the show will know that God Country is what inducted us into the cult of Cates. Thank you, Sparks. Cult of Cates. Um, he will be, he's returning to the world of God Country with a different sword, a different character, uh, and a different artist. Dylan Burnett is working on the series with him. We he don't did know. Cosmic what, Ghost Rider with him. He did Cosmic Ghost Rider with him. Yes, you're right. Um, we don't know uh, much more about the series other than that. 
Uh, but I think that's really exciting. Yeah. Um, and he talks about also how that God Country script, like that's been done and like that movie is moving forward. Obviously yeah. not now because of the virus, but that is a movie we will see in potentially less than three years, which yeah. is crazy because we've like read like relatively recently. And he wrote that script. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's always, that's usually always makes me happy when the creators yeah. are like fully involved. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about some Dark Knight's Death Metal. This is yeah, the next. This is the next event um, from DC Comics. This is a Wonder Woman-centric event um, with the Justice League guest starring. Um, this is the continuation of Justice League, of Hell Arisen, of Dark Knight's Metal, of Batman. Um, all, this is the culmination of Scott Snyder's entire magnum opus at DC Comics, essentially. This is um, his Secret Wars, and I don't mean yeah. that in any way. It's his buildup of everything he's ever done into a big multiversal event. Yeah, and what's so exciting about this, what, what got me really stoked about this this week um, is that he talked about how, like, this book was being pushed under the rug while Didio was there because Didio wanted to focus on 5G and things like that. So he was just like, you're doing your own thing. Just do whatever. So it was a, kind of a small event. But now it's now that Didio's gone, it's ballooned into, some, into the major event of the DC Universe. Um, he's able to make Doomsday Clock part of it. He's able to make... Uh, uh, all these, all these desperate storylines that were just not not connected at all, and now finally kind of like bring them all into the story as it should be. Like we talked about Doomsday Clock, it should matter. This should matter also. So I think that's really exciting that it kind of it became bigger in scope and it started and it became something that mattered to the to the publishing line in total. Rebirth two point five. Yeah. Well, um, I don't. He's talked about how like there's not going to be like major ramifications for the DC universe after the fact. What is that? That's you, bud. That's not me. That's Ben. Oh. Then. Oh no, Ben's blowing her nose. Oh, okay. <laughs> that is some wicked thoughts. <laughs> I was like, excuse me. Um, yeah. Anyway, I think I, I think it's it's really cool that dooms that that that. that these events that we talked about sh that should matter are actually going to matter. And it's not like the status quo is going to change for the DC universe forever. It's like that happens at, at the end of every event, but he, he, Scott Snyder himself is talking like, no, after this, like I'm doing something smaller. I'm doing like Dick Grayson stories. I'm not doing major Epic again. This is well, done. Again, mm -hmm. after, you, after again, like secret wars, once you collapse your entire multiverse, you can't get bigger than that. That yeah. is the biggest you literally can go. You can't get bigger than destroying all of reality. There's no bigger than that. Yeah. So I hope you do something small. Well, I mean, to be to be fair, with the Secret Wars comparison, this is not destroying reality. This is just remade Earth Prime, uh, and and there it is. It is like Secret War. It's like the arc before Secret Wars when like the realities were being destroyed. So it's like they're trying to stop the the destruction of the multiverse. Okay, so it's um it's time runs out. The Avengers yeah. arc time. Runs it's out. essentially time runs out. Because um, Perpetua is attacking the multiverse, trying to make it into the into the structure of doom, and anyway, I'm, I'm super stoked because there's a dinosaur as Batman. Um, <laughs> Dark Knight, so so it's now a seven issues instead of six, is the is the news, um, and also they've re re announced two uh, one shot specials, Dark Knight's Death Metal Guidebook. I love a good guidebook. Multiverse had a guidebook; it was awesome. Mm -hmm. um, as Wonder Woman, Superman, Batman, and other heroes fight to survive in the strange new landscape of an Earth turned upside down and shrouded in a realm of darkness, one cloaked figure has been observing from the sidelines, creating a guidebook to this new world and its evil leaders. 
Find out how Wonder Woman becomes became the queen of hell. Discover how Batman finds the Black Lantern ring and see what happens when Harley Quinn takes charge of the wasteland, finding love in the process. All this and more in this jam-packed issue exploring the New World Order. Uh, it's going to feature creative team, creative talents such as Scott Snyder, James Tinian IV, Joshua Williamson, Becky Cloonan, Vita Ayala, Chip Zdarsky, Christopher Priest, Doug Mankey, Dan Panosian, Eduardo Riso, and Carrie Randolph. Nice. They're all sarcastic creators. Did you say Warren Ellis? Warren Ellis is in the next one. Oh, okay. So Warren Ellis is, is working on Dark Knight's death metal Legends of the Dark Knight. Uh, so, sorry, Legends of the Dark Knights. Uh, in this collection of short tales where demons dwell and reality is overrun by monstrous versions of the Dark Knight, learn the terrifying secrets of the new bats out of hell and other creatures of the night, like Robin King, whose origin is unimaginable. Plus, read about the secret buried beneath Castle Bat, the sentient Batmobile, and how did Batman turn into a killer robot dinosaur? That's the story that Warren Ellis is writing. Um, we'll also feature work from Snyder, Tinian, and Williamson, in addition to Peter J. Tomasi, Warren Ellis, Garth Ennis, Daniel Warren Johnson, Frank Thierry, Tom, Tony S. Daniel, Jim Chung, Joel Jones, Riley Rosmo, and Fran Francesco Francavilla. A lot of people. A lot of good, a lot of good talent. I think I'm so I'm yeah. super stoked. I am too. Um, it's it it's it feels to me like a little bit of a repeat of Dark Knight's Metal, where we're going to get more books just featuring more evil Batman, which is cool as long as the stories are good. Yeah. Uh, I just want to. I just had this feeling like this all is familiar to me. Nothing is original about this, and of course, like the perpetual stuff. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the overall what everything about it is. Uh, I'm. I hope the book itself is more original than everything that is in that's around it because to me this feels like dark knight's metal again and i'm like that's cool that's cool i guess but like that book did not end uh well for me civil was, war two yeah i don't need a civil war two and and scott snyder is definitely better about that than other creators but um i just want to be proven wrong uh yeah i also i remember when we did our discussion on dark knight's metal i know i felt that um while it was a good event when it's we were messy. getting into like the last couple issues i felt like plenty of things were too rushed in the writing certainly like it was spread too thin amongst too many characters to actually give them the devoted time to feel like the event mattered in the moment to them not in the long run but in the moment uh and that was an issue that i had and i hope that that doesn't feel the same even though this sounds like it's even grander in scale and that's, scope which is where i'm like that's my worry yeah is, is it gonna is that gonna happen again sure i yeah. again not I, I, I trust Scott Snyder more than anyone uh, to do this kind of thing. Um, I just, I hope, I hope it's not a, a rehash. I hope not. Yeah, no, I understand. I do think that it, it is, it is going to feel similar because it is once again, the Batman who laughs and then you, but Perpetua does throw a wrench in the whole thing. And uh, Wally West as Dr. and Dr. Manhattan stuff. Well, we haven't been too crazy about it. It does throw a spanner in the works um, yeah. of that whole thing. Like, I do think that there's enough, there and and also we don't know everything about the book we don't re we really know very little so i i i think it's the worry is there but i'm i don't i don't feel the same way the same worry and that could just be like i'm drinking the kool-aid up like they show me bat thulu and dinosaur batman and a batman who turned himself into the city of gotham like that's dope as hell i but i we did this two years ago is what i mean yeah like if 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 all this if all this was one like long event or something or or this event happened sooner to when dark the metal did happen I might not feel as 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 I do now but it feels like enough time has passed where I'm like oh we're just doing it again 
but with a tight T-Rex this time. Or another point I was going to make is that I kind of wish, even though I know there's been good stuff with him in the time between, I wish that the Batman Who Laughs had not resurfaced until now. That would be cool, yeah. Like, Joker took a year off after after his events with Batman, and then a bunch of stuff happened. Like, But Bat- but there's literally a new Batman Superman book where he is the bad guy. And so, like, he's he, he, is, he is all around a lot. He is around a lot. But, again, um, he's pretty cool. I, I just... We'll see. When is yeah, it coming out? Uh, August. These books are coming. Uh, this book is coming out in August. I think they are hoping that Dark Knight's Death Metal comes out in July. Oh my God, we're gonna have a Dark Knight's Metal and and X of Creations around the same time. It's gonna be super event. It's gonna be great. Yeah, I, I guess I just you guys all valid points, and I and I don't disagree at all. And I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to sound like I'm even attempting to come back excited for it like i don't want to take away my excitement it's just like i'm just uh, i just feel like like, i mean i just i just feel like i've not read anything in the run that's been that's made me feel disappointed or bad or or anything so going into this like i've got nothing but like the momentum of excitement that went from batman superman to justice league to hell arisen like all that like it's just been progressive and then seeing doomsday clock is now part of that equation like seeing all that kind of like grow is just kind of plateaued to death metal. It does have me more excited than cautious. And yeah. that could be a recipe for disaster. Who knows? I hope it's not. I hope this is yeah. the big epic event that it turns out to be. Like, I want yeah. that. Um, uh, big epic one that feels like a consequence of actions that had come before, not like Doomsday Clock was not. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I think my chief concern remains that just it sounds very large. And uh, just based on the previous metal event, I'm... I'm not as encouraged that the individual arcs of characters are going to land. Uh, I feel like that'll, that'll probably get uh, a little bit in the wash like last time. Yeah. yeah. That's a bummer. They did add an extra issue. Maybe, maybe that can alleviate some of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Again, Secret Wars did the exact same thing. It was an eight issue mini. Then halfway through it became a nine issue mini. So I'm like, you gotta, you got real estate. Use it. Yeah. Um, we're all excited for the new Dune movie. Uh, so they, so let's get excited for this now. They are a, Boom Studios is adapting the first prequel novel, Dune House Atreides, into a twelve issue maxi series. This is going to be adapted from the Brian Herbert and Kevin J Anderson prequel novel uh, with the same name. Um, the story focuses on a young Leto Atreides, who is Oscar Isaac in the movie, uh, and his future bodyguard Duncan Idaho, Jason Momoa in the movie. Uh, as they discover their shared destiny in a galaxy torn apart by revolution and political strife. Um, no creative team has been announced as of yet. What I like about this is that um, Brian Herbert and Kevin, Kevin Anderson, like uh, they're adapt- they are adapting the book, not, not like some Marvel writer or boom writer. Like it's them. They're the writers for the book. So that gives me immense, immense hope for this book being good. Cause they know, they know what's important to the, to the story to put into a small book. Brian Herbert is also adapting the, the Dune novel into those three graphic novels. Yeah, he's all he's he's heavily involved. It's so that's really cool. But it, what makes me excited is that there's this huge push for Dune, and that makes me feel like this is going to be a movie that's going to matter. I I sincerely hope so because Denny Villeneuve has made nothing but excellent movies. Not a single one of them has been profitable. Yeah. That dude makes really great movies that nobody sees except for film nerds, <laughs> like like Blade Runner, Arrival, Sicario. These are all great movies nobody sees. Yeah. Dune is the same way. Dune is people know Dune, but people don't care about Dune. So I'm really scared. The marketing has to be good. The movie has to look exceptional. 
Um, and people like the cast. Like once you show Jason Momoa and like Timothy Chalamet and Oscar Isaac on screen doing cool Star Wars shit, that's when people are going to get on board. But until now, I don't think anyone really cares except for people who already know about it. So I hope like this is the next Star Wars because it has the potential to be massive. I know someone said that more so than the next Star Wars, uh, someone said that this has the potential to be be this generation's Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings, that's even better. Yes, a big epic. Yeah. If you look at Lord of the Rings, like those are books that like barely book nerds read. Mm -hmm. And you you throw Lord of the Rings as this, and now it's like one of the most, it's one of the greatest action uh, adventure fantasy stories of all time. Oscar winning movie of the year, Return of the King. Never forget. Mm -hmm. Never forget. The last time the Oscars were great. (laughs) (laughs) Well, didn't, didn't all three films win like a whole bunch of Oscars? No, but Tec- not necessarily technical awards, yes, but Return of the King like swept everything almost. Yeah, Return of the King won 12 Oscars. I remember Return of the King winning Best Picture. Movie's very good. Yeah. It is very good. Right, let's get some trailers. Wait, real quick. One last thing. You didn't mention it. I really want to mention it because I care about it. Reportedly, Tartakovsky's Popeye is being brought back into development with King oh, yeah. Pictures and no longer with Sony Pictures. I saw animation. that too. Um, it was reported in a lot of places, so I'm, I kind of believe it's true. And we know Tartakovsky has uh, left directing duties on Hotel Transylvania 4 uh, after staying there for too long, in his opinion, because he meant to leave at 3, but he stuck around for 3. Uh, so he's he's moving on to other projects, as he said, and I'm so hopeful that this is going to come to fruition because that Popeye demo, demo reel of his animation is dope as hell. It is beautiful, man. It, it, ben, have you ever seen it? No, I haven't. I, I think I saw a quick little screenshot of it on Twitter about how uh, Kenny Dark Tarkovsky to YouTube, Popeye come back. Just go to YouTube. Yeah, I think it's, it's beautiful. I think it's from 2016, and it's just like a uh, a demo reel of animation for a Popeye film that Tartakovsky wanted to do with Sony Pictures Animation, and instead they were like, we'd rather you just be doing Hotel Transylvania right now, thanks. Yeah. Uh, but the Popeye rights have reverted to King Pictures, and apparently Tartakovsky is over there wanting to put this back together. That's good. Olive oil. All right, trailers. Um, we'll talk about the. Yeah, we'll talk about these first. So, uh, Juwan colon Origins uh, is the new uh, story in the the Grudge, the Japanese version of the Grudge, uh, the original Grudge uh, thing. It's about more of a mockumentary type situation, kind of a Blair Witch series um, on Netflix about kind of like uh, the, tr- the quote-unquote true story for how uh, uh, what happened at that house. It looks really interesting, I think. Yeah, um, this is the, um, the, 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 the trend of horror movies getting rebo- reboots and TV shows, like mm-hmm. Chucky and uh, the other one we talked about. And then we got this one where we just had a grudge remake in January that apparently is awful. And now you got this new TV show that I think looks awesome. Right. I'm yeah. very interested. In of course, show. it helps that those are those one these ones are being developed in totally different yes. markets. It's just this funny. Is, this is an origins mockumentary about the the Japanese versions. Yes. Uh Juwan. It's um, like they come out so close to each other. It's it's funny. I do sometimes. like I do like this this uh approach. This is very um the, I think this is a nice take for them to do it's uh, like very minimalist in a way yeah. and and like the idea of revisiting it as like we want to learn the real story behind that very popular horror movie and it's and so like juan the original grudge is a film in this universe it's high school and musical the musical the show yeah yeah and then they're researching 
it and it turns out it's like and they're like it's actually way worse that's <laughs> amazing <laughs> that's yeah, so good I, I thought this. I thought this looked really intriguing. I um, I've never seen the original uh, Japanese versions, um, but I, I, I'm engaged. Um, I saw real quickly talk about Netflix um, adaptations. I saw someone say that the because uh, I don't know why something you said reminded me of the Death Note adaptations, uh, the Japanese Death Note adaptations, yeah, and yeah. Uh, those those movies are spectacular. But yeah. I saw someone on Twitter mention that the Netflix movie is the best adaptation of Death Note. And I want to slap them over the face. Listen, people have opinions and they're often wrong. (laughs) You know, it's just a fact of life. Sometimes it happens. Sometimes you're just wrong. God. I like, I recently like joked with all all the guys I watch anime with. We, we like did a five minute tangent just talking about how bad the Netflix uh, Death Note film was. I'm going to go to the bathroom real quick, but don't forget guys, the same guy who directed Death Note directing King Kong versus Godzilla. He's also directed good things, right? <laughs> he didn't write the script, and the script is the problem. Um, all right. Anyway, so yeah, um, Twilight Zone season two. Uh, it looks. Any like of us seen season one? Yeah, I haven't seen season one no. either, so I don't have a ton to contribute about. Like, I I like the the cast. This still looks appealing to me. I just I don't have CBS All Access, so I haven't watched Twilight Zone. That's really I... just what it comes down to. I was gonna watch it, but like I'd never heard good things about it. So same here. I watched episodes, not the season as a whole. And that's the thing is like, but but to be fair, that's kind of true of old Twilight Zone. Uh, When it was coming out, like I mean, at this point, everyone's like nostalgic about it and it considers it old timey, so it's all of a certain quality. And all the episodes, like they're standouts, but all the episodes are more or less like worth watching in people's opinion. But when Twilight Zone was coming out, a lot of people uh, felt like this episode was really great and that episode was okay. And it's because like a lot of the things kind of play to different appeals of of both what people fear and uh, the kind of stories that interest people. And so like because Twilight Zone can be so broad in its concepts, not every episode is usually going to work for you. Right. And that's a lot more of what I heard from the first season. Again, I haven't watched it, but what I heard from the first season is I heard a lot of like, oh, that episode was really good. That episode was really good. That two-parter, like things like that. Sure. Yeah, th- this season has uh, another all-star <laughs> cast, much like the last season. Um, we have uh, Joel McHale is in this one. Yes. Going back to community. Um, yeah, it looked, it looked engaging. It looked like there's some more adaptations of old Twilight Zone episodes like the last season. I know they did uh, 30,000 Feet um terror at 30,000 feet yeah um uh, again with adam scott so um yeah uh yeah i i definitely uh i still want to watch it i still want to check out the show on a whole um nothing has been said to deter me entirely from doing so i just don't have cbs all access yeah yeah i got you um okay uh now we're in the video games section of the of the episode um the <laughs> Unreal. I want to start here. The Unreal Five tech demo was released online. Uh, this looks incredible. Yes, uh, I think you mean it looked unreal. Uh, <laughs> all right, bye guys. So yeah, um, 
So it's just, it's really funny that they put this out. I I almost thought it was on purpose. They put this out the week after the Xbox event because the entire internet was pretty much disappointed with that event showing what the next generation could Mm -hmm. look like. So Unreal is like, hey guys, this is coming out next year. Um, Some games are currently using it for the the next generation of games. Here's a a little taste of what it looks like. And it, to me, looked like what next generation should look like. Uh, Incredible. Talk about triangles. You guys see all those triangles? Too many triangles. Well, just I appreciate the way that they broke down all the different elements and how yeah. they can like, like you can do this and it just works throughout the day. The, yeah. You can have the light yeah. move to here or to here and it changes everything and yeah. it all works the way it should. Uh, like lighting, uh, resolution, mm-hmm. like textures, all that stuff is 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 the best that it's ever going to be or mm-hmm. for, for the current time. Well, they, uh, talked about, they talked about like, um, you know, we 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 kind of patterned this to, to be with cinematic engines and, and uh, instead of just like, you know, game engines like they would in the past, like this is, this is the type of texture that you would see in a film using CGI. Yeah. Not we a- have, Yeah. We have the power now. Uh, like we can make our PC, you know, PS5 Xboxes so powerful that instead of using video game assets, we can use cinematic assets. Right. Uh, which is uh, awesome. Where, where the cinematic and the gameplay look like they are now the same. Yeah. Especially oh, yeah. like the rocks are falling and it's all natural. Like the lighting look like that ground almost looks straight up just real. And that 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 goes back to a little bit like what we talked about the Mandalorian, how the Mandalorian uses the Unreal Engine with its uh, with the void with the yep. the set that it has. Like that's that's technically the the set that they use in the Mandalorian is for video games. Yeah, and you see the what type of things the video game textures can look like now. It, there's no difference. Yeah, it's it's um, it's gonna be again. It's gonna be a while before they are we see the implementation implementation of this. But like in two years, baby, games are gonna look real good. Years, real good. Yeah, so God of War, the next God of War game is gonna look so good. Oh my god! Yeah, I, I hope yeah. it looks like I'm going from cinematic into gameplay yeah. seamlessly. God of War was close already. It was pretty good, but like, but at this point, if it can be at this level where I'm yeah. just like, I don't even know where the movie begins yeah. and I begin. <laughs> and I'm <laughs> playing. Yeah, even though God of War came out in 2018, uh, the PS4 is like six years old almost at that point. Like it is, it is, it's five years old at that point. Like it's, it's using old graphics, mm-hmm. old engine. So now starting from the ground up, dude. Like mm-hmm. now I'm not worried about next gen anymore. Not that I really was, but like after, this is what I was waiting for. After seeing this and how they were saying like this is what the Unreal Five Engine Five can do on the P- on the PlayStation Five, I'm blown away. It yeah. just looks so pretty, and it looked. It, it looks so like just seamlessly um like just going through like you see it's like you uh what sparks would say or brandon some about god of war you go from cinematic to gameplay it reminded me a bit of um final fantasy 7 remake like the opening movie it looks gorgeous but ha- later on in the game you can tell where it's like cinematic gameplay you can tell yeah. the difference and just having it just go seamlessly in i'm i'm excited i can't wait i to- remember i remember god of war 3 and when the opening cinematic starts in God of War 3, and like oh the God. big deal was that this is what the game is going to look like. Because before that, like it was cinematics looked gorgeous, gameplay looked good um, because they put a lot of things into cinematics, into the right. cinematics. Um, and then when I was watching God of when I, the opening cinematic of God of War 3 starts, and it's like, oh, that's what the game looks like. This is game engine cinematic. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. How far we've come. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, all right. Uh, speaking of PlayStation, Ghost of Tsushima. Tsushima? Uh, yeah. 18-minute uh, gameplay demo. Uh, I didn't watch all 18 minutes, though. I do intend to go back and watch the rest, watch the bits I didn't read. I watched it. skipped around a bit. So did I. Looks beautiful. Looks like a lot of fun. Uh, I'm very excited for this game. 
Yeah, um, as someone who just beat Assassin's Creed Odyssey, hey guys, this looks exactly like Assassin's Creed and The Witcher. And that's not a bad thing. Uh, that's fantastic. That means that the gameplay is going to be great. You can do stealth. You can do open combat. Uh, you ride horses, customization, all that, all that open world, uh, 21st century stuff. It's all there. Um, looks good. It looks well, like I, like I really like how they're talking about like we wanted a way for the game to like tell you how to explore the map a little to follow the narrative yes. and like the wind you follow mm -hmm. the wind. Uh, but the thing that really like got me super stoked is the black and white grain filter. Yeah. Can you do black and white? But it also is going to have an original Japanese track. And this might be the only game I've ever done that where I might play like, a black and white Japanese version of it. Because right. that yeah. sounds like watching like an old Kurosawa movie. That sounds so cool. Right. That was it's gonna have the rain with the wind and the rain. Like, I, I want yeah. that. That's the awesome. fact that you're able to play this game in black and white, like an old 1950s samurai film. I'm like, I actually might do that because yeah. that looks pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Uh, Paper Mario, the Origami King, was announced this week for July 17th, really state. Uh, I've not played any Mario game ever. So, you ever? guys. Uh, any Mario uh, game? Not, not even Super Mario, like Mario Kart. Stop it. Does that count? That counts. Yes. It's called right. Mario, Kart. Okay, Mario Kart. And wow, okay, I'm still getting the fact that you haven't played the original Super Mario Bros. Everyone's played the original Super Mario the first Bros. Cons the first console I got was the PlayStation 2 that had Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. It's Leviosa. To, to I was very, I'm I'm much like Brandon. I it was a long time before I played Super Mario Bros. Bro, we're I did gamers. not play it when it came out. Ben, we're gamers, bro. We were born yeah. with a controller. I am not a gamer. <laughs> Right. I like so, video games. My parents didn't get me a console for a very long time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, no. My mom neglected me, so I got a console. <laughs> <laughs> Realism. Concerned. <laughs> Paper Mario. Can I give this guy a goofy thing? Because this is getting real. <laughs> too real. Um, <laughs> so I love the Paper Mario franchise. Uh, I cannot wait for this game. It looks really charming. Um, the fun thing about the Paper Mario games is that it utilizes the, like, how you are a piece of paper. So you fall through grates and you can, like, walk alongside walls and yeah. just, like, fun things like that. And now transforming with origami. I, this looks like another really charming game. The thing that's really funny is um, there have been no more announced Nintendo games for this year. So, like, like big games. So everyone's like, what's Nintendo going to release? Paper Mario comes out in two months. So now everyone's just like, oh, so they're just going to tell us a game's coming out and then it's going to be out. Because, like, yeah. coronavirus has effed the world up in terms of release dates. Um, so I'll, this is coming out in two months. Very excited. I, yeah. I wonder if they were hoping to make a larger E3 presence or around E3 announcement presence. Because and, like and now that it's yeah. and now that it's pulled out of uh, existence, mm -hmm. um, they're they're maybe thinking maybe the best way to do this is just focus on one at a time as we go down the line. Yeah, just let them get excited right at the moment. They did that with Animal Crossing and it worked out. Yeah. Well, also, Animal Crossing was kind of like catching lightning in a bottle because right when Animal Crossing came out, all the lockdowns came in. So people were like, what are we going to do? Guess we're going to play Animal Crossing. But going back to Paper Mario and the Origami King, it also looks like they're going back to... Because a lot of Paper Mario fans, they are bitching and moaning about the last few games because it doesn't have the Super Mario RPG qualities of the games. It's me. I'm the guy. Oh, Okay. Because a lot of people, because Paper Mario was essentially a spiritual sequel to Super Mario RPG on the Super Nintendo. And, and just by looking at this trailer, it looks like they're bringing some of those um, RPG uh, RPG mechanics back. Yeah, turn-based combat. That's that's mm -hmm. what makes those first couple uh, Paper Mario games real great. Yeah. And then so, they just turn them into regular Mario games where they're flat. I'm like, but that's that's just a different game now. Don't call it Paper Mario. Yeah. Meh. That's yeah. okay. 
I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to it. the game. I've never really gotten into the Paper Mario games, so I'm like, okay. I mean, people I know people who are huge fans of Paper Mario, and they're stoked for this one. So it's like, hey, good for you guys. I really enjoyed the last one. So was that super? Which one was that? It was the is that the Wii or Wii U? There one? was the Wii U one. Yeah, Super Paper Mario for the Wii U. <clears throat> yeah, I think yeah. So. Okay. Where you would where you would uh, you would turn. To mm-hmm. turn the screen so that it's it's flat but it's facing the other way, uh-huh. and I like to move in this space. So it was like you'd be here or you'd be here. Mm-hmm. You can go this way or you can go this way. Oh yeah, yeah. I heard about that. Hmm. I know you. what you're talking about. Uh, that this just confirms all those rumors that we talked about a couple weeks ago, uh, because they just announced this Paper Mario game and hey, they said there was going to be a new <clears> Paper <throat> Mario game. So get ready for all those Mario remasters coming soon. Still waiting on those Sonic announcements. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right, and this, this week they uh, the world was surprised by the release of, by the announcement of Tony Hawk One and Two remake. Hell yeah! Tony yeah. Hawk Pro Skater One and Two. Yeah, millions and millions of uh, twenty five to forty five year old uh, emo skateboard kids, or if you grew up just playing Tony Hawk or anything, just like cheered like next to their kids eating cereal because like this is they made a Tony Hawk Pro Skater Five and it's shit. It's horrible. It's real bad. Nobody liked it. So now they're doing the remix of the their first two games. Plus, they're implementing stuff from Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3, like reverts and stuff like that. So it is the best that Tony Hawk uh, uh, skating has ever been in the first two games remastered. So like this is just everything you could have wanted, baby. I, um, I played... I had a Tony Hawk's Pro Skater for my Nintendo 64, the blue cartridge. I played that thing so much. I loved that game so much that's I the reason I, I got a, i got a skateboard and then the same day i started skating because of tony hawk's pro skater. hold on ben you ryan yeah. say that again i said i i could have swore i've told the story before but um i used to play tony hawk a lot and then uh i visited my grandpa and we went to venice beach and he bought me a skateboard because i wanted to learn how to skateboard this very same day i i kicked away my skateboard and somebody ran it over so i lost a skateboard the same day that i bought it and i never skateboarded again Wow, I had a Dragon Ball Z skateboard. That's awesome. My dad tried to teach me because again, you know, I played Tony Hawk Pro Skater. Like uh, I had a YMCA when I grew up. I had consoles, and I would, I would play those consoles sometimes. Uh, that's actually a fun fact. Where I met Jeremy, we had a fun. Apparently, we had a fun discussion about a cow scooper on a, on a train, um, which is the you know the grate in the front in the front of a train, one of those old timey trains called oh. a cow scooper that they were meant to like hit cows on the way to the train uh, on the path of the train. Oh, that seems violent. Oh, yep. I thought that was for snow. Nope, it's for cows. I did not know that. That's for both. <laughs> oh goodness. Um. Yeah. Anyway, anyway. So yeah, I played. I played those games with like the YMCA would go in and. Boo, 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 boo. I didn't know the YMCA right. had consoles. I learned something today. The the one over at my. Oh, sorry. It was just called the Youth Center. I don't know why I said what. Just called the Youth Center of Pacific Grove Youth Center. It's fun to stay there. All right. Shall we? Uh... I, oh my god, you guys saw the collection's edition for Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2? Yeah. How it comes with the, the, the deck uh, from what the one of the skateboards in the game? So, um, either that skateboard deck is extremely cheap and it's going to break very easily, or they're giving away a really great value because it's two games yeah. and a skateboard deck for 100 bucks. And uh-huh. a skateboard deck is expensive on its own. Yes, it is. I would assume that that skateboard deck, it's, it's like it's meant for you to hang. Because you know how some people hang their skateboard decks? Yeah. I would assume they're like, no, just, just hang it. But if they're like, no, you can actually skate on this. Ooh, 
Ooh. I mean, I would assume if you're getting a skateboard game and you're getting a skateboard deck, they want you to skateboard on the if skateboard. If you can actually skate on it, Ben's going to pick up skateboarding again. Probably. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, all right. Shall we... Anything else you guys wanted to add, or should we get into our main topic? Let's uh, uh, let's do it. Let's uh, scoop it up. All right, speaking guys. Of- at Venice Beach. Oh yeah. Right? Oh yeah. Uh, speaking of, no, I don't know why I started that way. You, you interrupted me. Um, uh, full spoilers from here on out for the movie Scoob. This was initially supposed to have a theatrical release, but it went straight to DVD same day um, as it was supposed to be in theaters. Not straight to DVD straight to digital. <laughs> digital, sorry, VOD. Um, and uh, so full spoilers from here on out so if you don't want to know anything about this movie uh, stop listening, stop watching, stop whatever you're doing uh, and skip ahead to the next bit nobody's watching this right now so I can say that skip ahead to the next bit, time codes will be in the description below yeah you Uh, can't skip live (laughs) no, so full spoilers from here on out for Scoob the first movie in the Hanna-Barbera cinematic universe and the first movie we're reviewing in quarantine Yes, for real. For real. <laughs> for real. We, we reviewed Mortal Kombat Scorpion's Revenge. Oh, well, all right. That was t- that's also technically that's straight to video. A real movie. All movies are real movies. <laughs> all movies are real movies, exactly. Um, okay, so let's get into some initial thoughts uh, around the horn. Ben, since you're right next to my screen, oh, what'd you okay. think? I didn't like it. Okay. Uh, I, I, I did not like this. I, there were parts of that I enjoy but on the whole I'll, i'm like it's no damn topic. cool all right all right sparks uh i thought it was fine to good right uh, i don't care about scooby-doo i had a pretty good time uh i thought it was perfectly acceptable mm-hmm. as a movie i'm very middle of the road of this movie let's get into it um yeah, this this one is uh, to me, and knowing who the creative team was after the, after watching it, uh, it feels like one of the more recent straight to DVD, straight to VOD, Scooby Doo movies, and they've all just been kind of fine. Like the the talent is just not really there to make them great like they used to be when we were a kid. Um, the talent for Scooby Doo is in the shows. Yeah, like, there is guess who and be cool Scooby Doo. There's a uh, there's some nice callback like we, there's a Hex Girls poster yeah, and. Uh, that was cool. Um, the, that was the, like, only, the only references that I'm like, hey, I know about the Hex Girls. Cool the opening, I think, is really cool with all the different monsters from the original show. I thought that was neat, seeing them Recreating, rendered. Creating, uh, for the most part, the classic Scooby-Doo Where Are You intro. Yeah. In style. Very cute. Honestly, really like it. everything up until the Simon Cal moment, I was really liking it. Everything you, yeah. Simon Cal, I was like, I don't see the problem with this movie. There it is. So the second, brother, I want to say, I want to say, I hate Simon Cowell cameos. Now, I don't, I have nothing against Simon Cowell as a human being or a person or a, te- or a TV host or whatever he is. I hate every single time he is on, he is in a movie as a cameo, especially when he's a voice, when he's a voice because he never, did you guys ever see Shrek 2? You guys of have course. seen it. Yeah. I need a he hero. A cameo in Shrek 2. And he's awful. He's uh, it's a bonus feature, Shrek Far, Far Away Idol. Yeah, Shrek Far, Far Away Idol. He has a cameo in that. Years ago, by the way. <laughs> Which is when this kind of cameo was appropriate. Yes. And now, it's not. We were I expecting to talk about... There are a dozen different celebrities you can do to make this more funny and irrelevant. Like, it feels... 
it's the one it, for me it's the only thing that's super out of place for the whole movie like it's just mm -hmm. like it's a 20 year old joke with a celebrity that kids do not know or don't care about 15 years ago kids wouldn't care about it either it's just so baffling that this was the final choice for this movie considering a lot of the other jokes are very modern there's tinder jokes there's very like modern adult jokes but you have this 15 year old uh american idol joke it I am baffled by the choice of it. I really am. Because it it's through the whole movie. It's a recurring joke. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, I, how did they accept this when everything I'm, else is not like this? Actually, I agree with Ryan because the whole, up until Simon Cowell. We all agree I, with Ryan. <laughs> yeah. We all agree with Ryan on this point. <laughs> I mean, seriously, even I would watch, I'm not a huge Scooby-Doo fan. I like Scooby-Doo. I think Scooby-Doo is fine, but I don't gravitate towards Scooby-Doo. Yeah. But I, when I saw the opening, like the how they remade the opening for Scooby Doo, where he was like, that is kind of cool. That is cool how they how they busted their first bad guy in a haunted house. That's neat. And then Sam Kyle shows up and ruins the whole damn thing for me. Even though, uh, even though they 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 screw up Scooby's name, I appreciate how they all met. Yeah, uh, uh, I am not crazy about Scooby and Shaggy's meeting in the beginning. Um, yeah. so I'm not as 100% in the, until Simon Cowell, it was great. I'm like, once, once the kids were hanging out together, it was good. Um, uh, Shaggy and Scooby, it's, it's not, I didn't like the way they handled the idea of Shaggy being alone. It felt really cliche. It felt really lame. It did nothing yeah, yeah. about it, uh, about Shaggy being sad and alone on Venice Beach just didn't work for me. And why, why Venice? Have to be Venice? What's such? That's such a weird, not very Scooby Doo location for those characters. Yeah. Um, like he could have just as easily been a a boy who had no friends in a quiet suburb town, which is how it kind mm -hmm. of is. Uh, and then anyway, uh, that did that didn't do a lot for me. Yeah, no, I, 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 I don't disagree. Um, I, Sparks and I, you know, Ryan, Ryan and Ben have uh, said that they're not great. They're not huge Scooby Doo fans. Sparks and I, I think it's fair to say that you and I are the biggest Scooby Doo fans in the in the group. You know, you I, and I love Scooby Doo. I love Scooby Doo. Yeah, I, I think Scooby Doo is uh, great. I, you know, I real quickly, I, I spoke about Return to Zombie Island, the the sequel to the Zombie Island. Uh, uh, direct DVD uh, movie from Scooby Doo. I forgot to mention that they retconned Sco uh, Scooby Doo on Zombie Island, um, which really met, which really messed with me. And I've been thinking about it forever. And I, I wanted to bring it up uh, real quickly because in Scooby Doo Return to Zombie Island, they're like, "Oh yeah, remember when we went to this island when I was doing my my uh, my college internship at the news station?" Retconning the idea that on Zombie Island was just them older. And having grown apart. What? And I thought that was really okay. So remember in remember in Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island, uh, they've grown apart, they don't talk to each other anymore, and, and Daphne has a job oh, as a reporter. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Yeah, and so Daphne has a job as a reporter. Uh they in return to Zombie Island, they're like, Oh yeah, remember when I had that internship for co that college internship? Right. And it, it, to bring it to Scoob. They kind of they kind of have this issue where they they don't feel like kids anymore, even though everyone who who talks to them like talk about like I would have gotten away with it with one for you pesky kids, they don't feel like they're kids anymore, uh huh. And they haven't for so long, and yet they keep going with this idea that they're supposed to be kids. And I wonder if perhaps they should age up these characters at this point. How well, 
well, Fred's driving a car, so he's got to be a teenager. Like, they're in their 20s. Like in this, in Scoob, they're in their are they, in their are 20s. they in their 20s, really? They'd have to be. I thought they would have been like like 18 years old, like high schoolers or something. In in the original Scooby Scooby Doo, too. Yeah, in the original Scooby Doo, I think they're they're beef, they're not. I don't think they're supposed to be 20 yet, but they're like almost there. I'm not talking about original Scooby Doo. I'm talking about this. No, I know, but like that's been that that became like prevalent. The idea that they're supposed to be kids doing this whole thing. Like I would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for you pesky kids. Honestly, like this follows a similar logic of like where they would be in their lives to the live action Scooby Doo film. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sparks, can I ask you a question? As yeah. A totally. As a Scooby Doo fan, when the hell did Fred get so obsessive over his truck? Oh, I can tell you. I can tell you exactly when, and I love it. And it's called Scooby Doo Franken Creepy. <laughs> what the hell? Straight to DVD Scooby Doo Adventures that I happened to come upon and go, oh shit, this one's actually really good. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, be cool. Scooby Doo carried on this trade as well, and I think. It's referenced in Guess Who Scooby uh, Scooby Doo Guess Who as well. Um, the thing is that like I, I want to give Scoob credit. Fred and Daphne have evolved as characters across the Scooby Doo properties over time. Daphne has become much more outgoing and much more outlandish. She's much more willing to find weird ways to solve problems and uh, explore her own uh, sense of presence in the group. And that that in Be Cool Scooby Doo has been taken to the extremes, but in other properties it's been done as well, where she's less of the obsessed about her look or things like that. Uh, it, Daphne is much more a character. So Scoob's particular highlight that I liked is when she's sitting in the chair trying yeah. to recreate oh, yeah. what Maggie and Scooby would do, and I'm like, this is the Daphne I like now. This is a Daphne who has a character. Um, yeah. And who ends up uh, befriending the little robot. That works for me because that feels like Daphne has progressed as a character. Yeah. Fred has become less of just like the straight man and has become a little bit more of his own goofball. They play a little bit more into the fact that like he's useful, but he's not bright. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, not, not as bright as Velma or Daphne necessarily. And they've played a lot further into that. And the other thing is he loves the mystery machine. He loves the mystery machine like nobody's business. I like that. The bit is in Franken Creepy. The mystery machine breaks down badly at the beginning of the film. And Fred, throughout the film, keeps having flashbacks about the moment it broke down. But at each flashback, the moment of breakdown becomes much more catastrophic to the point where the last one is an explosion scene from space. (laughs) (laughs) You see how Fred's obsession with the mystery machine becomes that. So I'm glad that those characteristics are there because they make Fred and Daphne interesting. Mm-hmm. That being said, I thought those characters were really good. Velma, on the other hand, didn't even feel like Velma to me other than the fact that the lines she spoke sounded like things Velma would say. But the character didn't feel like Velma at all. Velma yeah. at this point, especially since Kate Nakuchi has been doing it, feels more like somebody who sits somewhere on the spectrum and it has a social awkwardness level. A little more like Abed from Community. That's yeah. Velma. That was not Velma and Scoob. She's yeah. very confident. I, I remember I was talking to Zara about this, but you know, this is this is probably like the fifth or sixth time that I've seen a uh, a young female character idolize Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And I'd like to know, as not being a youth myself, is that a thing that young girls 
Is that a person yeah. young girls idolize like that? Ruth Bader Ginsburg? I had no idea. It always kind of not like a, like a Wonder Woman level, but like she is much like uh, AOC. She's an important person to young girls because it gives them hope about women can achieve power in politics. Yeah, I think in the last five five years, there's been a lot more presence given to that. Not when you and I were in high school, Brandon. Sure. It wasn't someone that uh, the girls were idolizing or talking about as much. I, don't, I want to be clear. It's not so, It's not a criticism at all. It is just an out-of-touch old man talking about a kid's movie. No, yeah, yeah. Sure. I, I, and it's just me asking a question because that was something I was just not aware of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'll, I'll just really broad stroke this real quick. Uh, my biggest problem with this film overall is two things. One, um, it just feels like I was trying to be sold, even though I knew we were getting a Hanna-Barbera Cinematic Universe setup film, I feel like I was still tr being sold on I'm getting a Scooby-Doo film that happens to connect to these Hanna-Barbera properties. This is not a Scooby-Doo movie. This is a Hanna-Barbera launching pad through the lens of Scooby-Doo. Yeah. Uh, and I wanted a Scooby-Doo movie. But that being said, um, the other thing that just doesn't work for me is that the bit of uh, Shaggy and Scooby being removed from the group because they don't quite fit has been done before and it's been written better. Mm -hmm. And this is not written as well as I want it to be. And the bones of a good script for Scooby-Doo are of a good movie for that are here. There should have been more of Shaggy relating to the blue Falcon because they're in a similar situation. Yeah. They do one bit of it, but they don't let it actually play out its arc for both of them together, which is what it should have been. There should have been a comparison between Scooby-Doo and Dino Mutt. There's like, there was the room to explore these character arcs because they're being brought together about how they relate to each other. Those things could have happened, but they didn't write it that way. Yeah. And Shaggy and Scooby having their breakup tiff when they get to the Mesozoic Island yeah. doesn't work at all. It doesn't feel like it fits. It doesn't feel like it fits in general to those characters, but it really doesn't even feel like it fits in this movie. I, uh, yeah, I, it's funny because like, again, uh, like the personalities of all the characters. I like all the characters. I have no problem with any of the characterization. <laughs> I honestly like a lot of the plot and, and scripting is the problem I have. Like the forced drama, like you have to have, you have to have them break up because it's a movie and you have to have drama. I'm like, sure. But like, I agree. Like, I don't think it was executed well at all. And like you, you, breaking up Scoob and Shaggy, like sure, you got to do it. But like, it, I did not feel like it was earned or felt real or anything. And that's the thing. It's like, you didn't have to do it. There are you other organic to. ways to work around those problems and like the script just didn't want to do the legwork to make that happen also it is not a problem to do a movie that focuses more on shaggy and scooby apart from the mystery gang it's been done before and it's worked fine you could have had them just not be hanging out with the gang when this all started yeah, yeah. that would have been just fine i um i agree with all your points and i want to add that um for me the characterizations are mostly there uh, it's a separate Velma. I have a real big problem with Velma, but uh, I don't think the voices quite work for each character. I think there there's something about the voices that feel like they're just not quite tuned to the character, to the character animations. And maybe I'm just being hypersensitive about it, but I feel like the the voice directing just isn't there as 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 isn't as strong as it could be. Mm -hmm. uh, ben. I felt that too. Um, the whole time, the only people who I think actually did a really good job voicing their characters in this movie are Mark Wahlberg, Ken Jeong, and Jason Isaacs. And of course, Frank, and of Can course, I Frank, quickly, I think Jason Isaacs is the standout. I think he's great. Yeah, and don't I'm be wrong, surprised. Frank Welker. Yeah, and also don't be wrong, Frank Welker as Scooby Doo, he's been the voice of Scoop for years, so that's awesome. Um, but. Just everyone else, like um, Gina Rodriguez, Zac Efron as Fred, and I forget who voiced Daphne, 
they just felt out of Amanda, place. Amanda Seyfried. Amanda Seyfried, thank you. They all just felt out of place. I don't know if it's because I'm just too ingrained with the um, original or like the newer, the the classic most voice. Recent cast, yeah. yeah or, or at least the most recent cast of Scooby Doo, because at least they sound somewhat similar to the 60s cartoons that I grew up with. Yeah. I don't know if that's the reason, but for some reason, I was, I'm listening to Velma talk. I'm like, this doesn't feel like Velma. Daphne, okay, yeah, I could get Daphne trying to figure out. Shaggy and Scooby always find ways to get out of situations. I could figure that out too. It's like, okay, yeah, that that fits. Well, it's not necessarily the characterizations that I have a problem with. It's it's just, mm-hmm. it, and it's not even the voice actors themselves. It just feels like the voice directing isn't as strong as it should be. Yeah, uh, I I will say that specifically for Rodriguez as Velma. I I don't understand that casting. I yeah. she doesn't sound like Velma to me. She doesn't even sound like in the same vein as Velma. Again, the only thing that feels like Velma is that the words sound like things Velma would say. Sure. But the, entire presentation of the character i'm like this isn't velma this isn't velma at all this isn't any version of velma i've ever known um, doesn't say whereas, whereas efron and seafried both do feel like fred and daphne to me now that being said i would rather i just have the actual voice actors doing this i'd rather have mccucci welker mm-hmm. um Willard. i would rather just have them but that's not what happened yeah uh now yeah. that being said i i wound up appreciating will forte shaggy i don't love it but i appreciate it because it helps that forte at least uh he made a comment uh about how he lay awake at night terrified about doing the role of shaggy because he felt like he needed to pay tribute to casey Kasem and matthew lillard um but he couldn't do an impression because he said if i was just going to go in there and try and sound like matthew lillard then it should just be matthew lillard that was his opinion he's like i i shouldn't be doing it if i'm just going to sound like him um so i appreciate that he tried to make Mm -hmm. it his own but still sound like Shaggy. That's hard. Uh, and I feel for him for that. Um, but I do think that, I do think that Efron and Seafried and uh, Forte, at least I felt like I heard them trying to emulate those characters. Yeah. And the, the other thing that I wanted to, to bring up is that, and I understand why they chose Scooby-Doo to do this. Um, but if you're going to do a larger a larger Hanna-Barbera world, I don't think Scooby-Doo fits within the Hanna-Barbera lineage. I, I think they exist almost kind of a part of it, um, apart from it. You know, they, they don't deal with real, real monsters. They deal with um, uh, uh, real estate businessmen who... Guys in masks. Modern times have changed that, but yeah. Right. But like g- generally they deal with real estate men... Uh, trying to steal money uh, from an abandoned amusement park or an abandoned airfield, like it, it's it's kind of about real estate in a way, uh, real estate ba- bad guys. Like, um, I think the characters to do this with in a perfect world would be Johnny Quest. I think Johnny Quest is more suited for this type of role to to expand into the larger uh, Hanna Barbera verse. They can more easily connect with the with the larger world. No, I mean, like, I get it. Scooby-Doo is the most, is their most profitable franchise. So you're going to do it like that. But I just feel like there's, just, there's it's almost like shoving a, 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 a square brick in a round hole. I don't totally agree because the thing is, I know why you're saying Johnny Quest. I like Johnny Quest too. I get it. Uh, it's a little too straight for things like, Captain Caveman and Jabberjaw to be next to right off the gate, especially mm. because Johnny Quest is not popular right now. Sure. It's not, it's not mainstream enough. 
I you could even make more of an argument to me about either the Flintstones or the Jetsons coming through time travel because that at least has more mainstream play and wouldn't feel weird when juxtaposed up against characters like Captain Caveman. But Johnny Quest, that's like that's hard. That's a hard left turn, especially to do in one film. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that I totally agree about the Johnny Quest stuff. I get why you're saying it. You're right about the fact that like it's a good base foundation to expand to the outer world, but the outer world is so cartoony in Hanna Barbera, it almost feels like that's too grounded of an entry sure. point. But I can't see Scooby Doo with Jabberjaw. <laughs> I, I just can't. Feel like I, I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't agree. <laughs> I understand the talking dog thing. I understand that, but like to me, Jabberjaw. Uh, and I don't want to get into a major argument about this. I know, I know myself. I can get into a larger thing about this, but uh, I, to me, Jabberjaw is such a cartoon, whereas Scooby Doo just has a talking dog, and like that—that's just the—that's just the cartoon thing of it. Of it. So it's, it's hard for me to see Scooby Doo with the rest of the with the rest of the Hanna Barbera. Like I can't see Scooby Doo talking to I mean not Scooby Doo specifically, but I can't see Shaggy or Fred Belma talking to McGilla Gorilla or. Or, or Jabberjaw, or and maybe I could see them going to CLF 2020, but, you know, but things like that. I, I, Scooby-Doo is, look, Scooby-Doo, in my opinion, is pretty in the middle. It's neutral level. Johnny Quest is too grounded. Jabberjaw is so silly. Yeah. But Scooby-Doo is platform middle because Scooby-Doo has had things like the Reluctant Werewolf where they did meet Dick Dastardly and have to do the wacky races. Like, the, th- these things have already happened. Like, they fit into that universe overall johnny quest outside of like comic books has never really gone to the crossover of like i'm gonna meet captain caveman and jabberjaw that's that's <laughs> not a thing that's been done so i don't know that that's the right entry point for a film like this all of that being said i think that overall the whole thing is i would have rather had just a good scooby-doo theatrical film which by the way that's my biggest point about this is this feels like another straight to dvd film this yeah. doesn't feel like one I would go see in theaters. It doesn't feel like it's on that quality level outside of the animation. Yeah. Right. And that sucks. That's the part that's the most hampering of it is I'm like, yeah, but this just feels like I could watch better written other straight to DVD Scooby-Doo properties because it's yeah. happened. I could watch the animated Scooby-Doo Blue Falcon film and it would be better or the one where he meets Batman or the other one where he meets Batman. Speaking of the Blue Falcon, uh, I had no knowledge of him whatsoever. I knew Dynamite, but I didn't know Blue Falcon. I don't know how that makes sense. But um, uh, I actually, I loved everything with Mark Wahlberg. I did too. Everything. Yeah. That, so weird. My favorite stuff about Scoob has nothing to do with Scoob. I could, I think I just want the Hanna-Barbera universe. Because like Scooby Doo is cool, but like I thought Dick Dastardly was awesome and his motivations great, and I love the Blue Falcon and his thing with his dad. He has he's trying to be a hero, but he's not a hero at heart. And like Ken Jong, I didn't think Dynamite would be like he's the actual hero, like saving Blue Falcon from stuff. And like Ken Jong is usually like not the straight man; he's usually the crazy guy, but he's the straight man. Yeah, I mm-hmm. thought all that stuff worked really, really well. And so, uh, I, Blue Falcon, I agree. Blue Falcon being the son of the original Blue Falcon was an angle that I really enjoyed. And again, like, I just wish the script had had the balls to go for the Shaggy and Blue Falcon are the same right now. Let's just run with that comparison. Let's actually make this, because this feels like, this feels like Scooby-Doo 
and hid the gang get kidnapped into a Blue Falcon adventure that, for some reason, is against Dick Dastardly instead of a regular Blue Falcon villain. Mm -hmm. Rather than it feeling like a cohesive connection being made between the characters where they flow into each other and they inform each other. And why does nobody care about seeing a dinosaur island all of a sudden? <laughs> and why do like Blue Falcon and Scooby go, Scooby's got the scent of that skull. Let's go off this direction. See you later. And Dee Dee and Dino Mud are just like, I guess we just won't follow them because they need to get into this difficult case on their own, I suppose. I I love I love all of Blue Falcon's like support team because like they're just supporting an idiot. Yeah. And like it's it's I thought that was a really cool I, I really I'm a big fan of Dino Mud. I I like uh so Blue Falcon and Dynamut are a pair, but I've never really cared for Blue Falcon. I really like Dynamut. Um, so I was really excited. So Dynamut really delivered for me in this. I thought Ken Jong did a really great job as Dynamut. Um, and I really liked him in this movie. Um, but I really quickly want to say again, uh, Jason Isaacs as Dick Dastardly is, to me, the best thing in the whole movie. Yeah, okay. he's really good. I thought he's incredible. He is He is having so much fun. He's just chewing all the scenery. He, he's... And it shows in every in every. I frame. love Dick Dastardly's. Um, like he's like, oh, I want to get the cult school service so I can open up and get my treasure. I, so I, I can get Mutley. So I can get yeah. Mutley back. Can get Mutley back. Mutley was his treasure the whole time. I was like, he, it's just a guy trying to get his dog. I thought I thought Mutley was dead. I thought he was like dead. I, dog. I, real, I for sure thought him. Mutley was dead. And it's then all like, oh, sorry, go ahead. And then he, if I, if we find out he was just trapped on the other side of the portal because he wasn't um, a descendant of, of Paritas, Alexander the Great's dog. Oof. I don't but, like that. But, yeah, but still, the fact that Dastardly is going through all these lanes just so he can get Muttley back, I was like, at the end of the movie, it's like, just let him get his dog back. I mean, yeah, he's a bad Simon, guy, but... Simon Cowell uh, cameo aside, I did appreciate the second mask gag. Oh, yeah, yeah. Where they take it off and it's like, oh, wait, no, it's actually Dick Dash. And Dick Dash is like, they never go for the second mask. I thought yeah. I had that. Yeah. Um, this movie was surprisingly mature. I mean, like a lot of kids' movies have like adult jokes, but like mm -hmm. there were a lot of adult jokes in this movie that I thought were pretty good. And like, there's just a scene where Dick Dastardly is just yelling, Dick, Dick, Dick. And it was like, what's really just happening in a kid's movie right now, yeah, dude? I, I, I caught that. I'm like, are they, do they seriously not know? There's some decent jokes in here. I'm like, man, just one more, one more punch through of the script, man. You could have something real good here. Yeah, Sparks is absolutely right. The biggest issue I feel with this movie is that it just feels like another direct-to-DVD, direct-to-VOD Scooby-Doo movie. Fun fact, and, this was originally going to be directed by Dax Shepard. Um, and then he made Chips, and then Chips bombed in every single way, so they took him off the movie. This was directed by a guy who directs a lot of the straight-to-DVD Scooby-Doo movies. Yeah. So it, it it kind of lost some of its, like, Holly, maybe Hollywood factor, and it kind of feels just more like straight-to-DVD thing, which who knows what could have been. Yeah. I mean, I, there's potential and interest, at least for me, for a Hanna-Barbera cinematic universe. I mean, Future Quest was great, and I'd like to see more of that, more of that stuff. Um, it's just, I, I, this doesn't feel like anything special. This just feels like, I, I, like I said, I watched Scooby-Doo Return to Zombie Island. It, it's just as good as that. And if you're just as good as your low-budget direct-to-DVD animated film, yeah. what do I care? I think it's really telling that we're all really, really positive on everything that's not Scoob in a movie called Scoob. Yeah. yeah. That's like that, like as much as like, I like this movie probably more than everyone here, but at the end of the day, I like it for the stuff that's not about Scooby-Doo. 
which right. is funny. <laughs> well, because like because like I'd I'd watch a movie that's about this blue falcon, this dino mud. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like I would do that. Uh, this Scoob gang, I don't. I it's not that I wouldn't want to watch a movie with them. It's that I don't think they were given a fair shake to establish themselves. Yeah. Again, like I still feel like you you should have just had a regular Scooby Doo movie then do this adventure yeah or something yeah. like and have clues of the Hanna-Barbera universe being like you know like nods and winks and all that that it exists out there but yeah. but do a Scooby-Doo movie and then do the crazy stuff Dick Dastardly uh his his warship is so cool yeah. and that is something straight out of Warhammer 40,000 with like the huge smoke plumes from behind and like a giant spear in the front like that's not like the Blue Falcon ship yeah, I thought like, all the again. I think this movie looks great. I think the little minions. I hate minions. I'm not a fan of minions. I'm not a big fan of Despicable Me. This is the Despicable Me I want. It's Dick Dastardly and his little his little bowling pin monsters. That's what I want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I thought those were cute. I like how the Duckbuster one has a huge crush on Daphne. Yeah, who wouldn't? It's yeah. it's not all bad. Uh, there's a lot of love for the Hanna Barbera canon as a whole. They keep so many original sound effects. That, I love that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Dick Dastardly is a is quintessentially written to be Dick Dastardly, and I really feel that. Uh, yeah, he's he lays out his jokes hardcore, and that's credit to Jason Isaacs, but it's also credit to the way he's written. Yeah, um, he feels like he's transported just out of the old cartoons. Yes, probably more so than any other character in the show in the movie. Man, uh, he has that part where he delivers the whole you are you are to remain silent in the court of claw and yeah, the claw yeah. comes down and grabs the mystery machine i'm like dang that is dick dastardly holy crap to um, talk to go back to what you were saying about um you know see you know you're making it we should have just made a scooby-doo movie uh with hints to the outside world i would have even been like hey okay let's say you want to do a scooby-doo movie uh but maybe they need to solve a mystery in Sea Lab 2020. Like you know, they they have to go down to the Sea Lab to solve a to solve a dude in a mask, and that's your Scooby Doo movie, and that's your tie to the larger universe. You get a little bit of you get a little bit there, but it's not the main major crux. It's just a situation. It's just a location. Street in another Hanna Barbera property that brought the gang there, rather than another Hanna Barbera property coming and kidnapping the Scooby Gang. Yeah, to bring it to another Hanna Barbera place. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, or two or, or two. three yeah yeah um captain caveman was good um i don't feel like he needed to be in the movie but he was good i was expecting uh, the like this, really. uh, I like this. those are nice wheels also what are wheels that's good, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> i mean, honestly, I mean but, that, but that's the thing about captain caveman real quickly ben i want to say captain caveman uh dick dashley feels like dick dashley captain Fa- captain caveman felt like tracy Mo- tracy jordan tracy morgan is it morgan morgan <laughs> It just feels like Tracy Morgan because you know when you hire Tracy Morgan, you hire him to be Tracy Morgan. I don't think that that's as problematic because I don't think Captain Caveman is a character who has a lot to serve the modern audience without being altered. Mm, true, he's uh, more so talkative in this than he has been. That's that's what I mean. It's like you kind of needed to reinvent his character, so that didn't bother me. Though I agree with you that it is just Tracy Morgan playing that, but I don't I don't mind it. Yeah, go ahead, Ben. Now, I was going to say, once we got to the Mesozoic Island, I was hoping for some sort of Flintstones cameo, but I didn't get it. No, they're in the past. Yeah. They're dead. Long dead. Long, they're, long dead. They're the oil that fuels the, the Falcon. Don't <laughs> worry. We'll get the Jetsons to come back and pick up Hawk, Hawk, Hawkman, Hawkbird, Hawk, 
Birdman. We'll get Our the back and pick up Birdman, and then they'll go back in time to 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 uh, the Flintstones. That'll you know be your. I forget that Harvey Birdman and Space Ghost Coast to Coast are Hamba Bear properties. I keep forgetting that. Well, no, Harvey Birdman and Space Ghost Coast to Coast are not Hamba Bear properties. Space Ghost and Birdman are. Yeah, those oh, okay. are parody shows using those characters. Okay. <laughs> um, I just seeing that big warship and like the Falcon. What's the Falcon? It's called Blue Falcon. What's the thing yeah. called the ship? The, the Falconator? The Falconeer. Who knows? I don't know. Uh, it just makes me like, oh man, we're one step closer to Wacky Racers. Because I that's that's the Hanna Barbera thing I love. I love Wacky Racers. I don't know anything about all those characters. I just love watching them race in wacky cars. Sure. I want that. Well, uh, if we think about it, the end credits, we kind of got it. Because if you guys watch the end credits, we like we see Jabberjaw, we see Blue Falcon, we see um Muttley breaking into the cell to get Dick Dashley out. We see Professor Quest. Yeah, we see uh we see Quest Labs. So it's like we get all this like I guess quote unquote connective tissue. I don't know what it. I don't I think know what that's it's all be in the next in the next uh, crossover. Don't you freaking dare, Godzuki! Don't you don't, don't say that name, Manila. Godzuki! Don't you say that name. Magic the Gathering should make a Godzuki card. Just saying. They should not make a Godzuki card. They should not. Face terrible. <laughs> they got a they got a baby Godzilla car. That's all we need. We don't need right. that. Don't bring in that trash. Uh, there's there's uh some solid moments. Uh, one I wanted to highlight is that it it always really works for me in Scooby Doo when they do a bit where Shaggy and Scooby get just enough ahead of the villain to don a disguise and pretend to be something else and mm-hmm. trick them. Mm-hmm. And they do that at the bowling alley with the minions where they're like, "What what's your order?" and they change into the baby oh. modes that they have. Yeah. Um. I wish there had been more of like that spirit of Scooby Doo present, and just there's like, no door gag, huh? There's no door gag. There, there isn't, but, is. They do but it with, uh, with, Cerber- with Cerberus when they're like they're doing uh, yeah, they're, they're they're facing Cerberus even though they're terrified in their own special way, and it's them like running back and forth. And there's no yeah, doors. Them running chariot. Different sides no, of the frame. They're going across on a chariot. I understand. Yeah. I like. I'm. I'm a bit. My favorite bits in Scooby Doo are always the door gags. Even in a even in a really mediocre film, I'm hysterical. So I. I would have liked more of a presence from the door gag. Sure. Um, yeah. I, it's. Yeah. Uh, I. Feel like we've covered a lot of it. I'm good. Yeah. yeah I think. I think. I think I'm good as well. Uh, shall we? Get final thoughts and rating. Oh, oh, sorry. One last thing. Boy, did I not need the forced. Uh, like BS of Shaggy will be locked on the other side of forever. Nah, psych. I'm just kidding. Oh god. Yeah, I, I don't need that either. Yeah, they're definitely gonna kill that so much. Like here's it, the thing. It, here's the thing. I, I want to real quickly. Here's the thing. If they wanted to be like, this is the this could be this will be the last Scooby Doo movie, and Shaggy or Scooby was were, were behind there, and that was that's gone. They're gone, and that was how that's how we remove Scooby Doo from the franchise while building into a new thing. I was I while while un, un, unrealistic, I kind of applaud them for the balls to do that. I'd applaud them for the balls, but I'd be like, you can't have a movie about Scoob and then do that and not have had the movie be more about Scooby Doo. That's true. It's like uh, Superman in your. I'll use that as your final thoughts. So rate it. Uh, uh I kind of wanted to give a little bit more summation to my final right, thoughts. Give, it, uh, give us a little more. Uh, just. Uh, I, I wholeheartedly just feel like there was a, a solid foundational idea of how they could have done this, but I feel like it gets way too mired in it's we want to set up a cinematic universe rather than just telling a good story with the Scooby-Doo characters. Um, fortunately, it's able to do that pretty well with the others, like Blue Falcon, his team, Dick Dastardly, but it's a shame that the Scooby-Doo characters pay the price. 
for their character introductions and their development. Uh, the animation is really nice. I like it a lot. I think it's really good. Um, I think on a whole, the voice cast does their best. And in some cases, that really excels. And in some cases, that's just kind of all right. And, uh, and you're kind of like, why don't you have the other people who have been doing this for forever? Um, overall, uh, I'm more excited to see more Hanna-Barbera related things. I, I don't even know if I'm necessarily there. I feel like I just want to see a Blue Falcon Dynamut related thing. I don't know if I really want to see more of these other things yet because I want them to put the, the work into it and it just feels like a, a on a whole it's going to be a shallow grab for that cinematic universe good good that every other studio has failed at doing. Um, I'd rather see the legacy of Scooby-Doo in theaters be a little bit better so I'd rather see a good Scooby-Doo movie again. That's kind of where I sit. Uh, I give it a, a six. Yeah. Uh, Ryan? Yeah. Um, I liked it. Um, I'm probably not going to watch it ever again. Um, I'd give it a solid 7.5. Um, if you just want to watch like a decent animated movie, uh, and there's, there's worse ones to watch. This one's charming. Uh, ben? There were times when I was watching this, I was like, hey, they're really trying to bring back the old classic magic of Scooby-Doo, and I really appreciate it. And there are other times where I can see the plot 10 miles away, and we're only at the 30-minute mark of the film, and I knew exactly what was going to happen. And there, and those parts, I hated it. There are performances I loved. There are performances I did not need. And for it just did not click. And I... It, uh, like like we said earlier, it's a Scooby-Doo movie, but the best parts of it are about Scooby-Doo. And you come here for the Scooby-Doo, and that's not the best part. So to me, that's total wash. Five and a half. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, I think Sparks and I are on the same page with this one for the most part. Uh, I'll only add that, you know, I just wish we got a better Scooby-Doo movie. I like Scooby-Doo a lot, and... Uh, I have not been keeping up with the sh with the more recent shows as much as I wish I had. So the only thing I do I do really watch is some of the movies, and the ones I've seen have just been disappointing. Um, I, that said, I really like Jason Isaacs. I really do. I thought he was a lot of fun. So uh, I, I give it a six, a solid six. I think it's it's okay. I doubt it. I doubt I'd return to it. I got to give it up to Mark Wahlberg um, for real because like he's yeah. not he's he's someone who usually is kind of doing the same thing, and he's kind of just doing that but with a higher tone a higher pitch voice, but yeah. I found it really charming in this movie more oh, than yeah. more. Most of his live action stuff. This was really funny. I did Especially too. When, uh, when Shaggy is like, like criticizing his suit, it's like, it's called an upgrade. It's like, but there's no scales. These are supposed to be feathers. Yeah. There uh, was so much, I, I just, I, there was so much room to explore the fact that Shaggy and Scooby are the scaredy cats of the gang and he's afraid. Yeah. And they just, just did nothing with it. There's just literally did nothing yeah. with it. It's at the very end of the movie. He has like one line, like oh, this is my hero moment, and then like oh there it is. Yeah, but I mean it's not it's not even with Shaggy and Scooby. Yeah, it's with Dino Mutt. Yeah, but I mean like that that parallel was never addressed. The parallel that was addressed was Shaggy and Blue Falcon both feeling like they're the unnecessary part of the group, but not the fact that they're scaredy cats. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's get into our book club. Hey, welcome to the Fake Nerd uh, Comic Shop. Yeah. Hi. Um. Do you have any books? Uh, can you be a little more specific? Um, anything readable? Uh, Ryan, take it away. I'm taking it away, just like Scarlet Witch takes away mutant powers. Hey, guys. We got Avengers, colon, The Children's Crusade, written by Alan Heinberg, art by Jim Chung. Boy, you guys, after the ruckus that was the secret invasion 
I was feeling more Marvel because I like me some Marvel. So I picked a book that came out five years after Secret Invasion. Um, five years? Yeah, like a couple years. Um, and it's about uh, the aftermath of Scarlet Witch, but it focuses on the Young Avengers. Um, I thought about uh, doing just the Young Avengers title first before doing this, but after doing Secret Invasion, I feel you didn't really, it wasn't necessary. You can get as much as you need in this book. So, do you mean to say House of M? What did I, Secret, Secret Invasion? Oh my God, I'm thinking of House of M. I was going to say. Sorry, yes. Oh, I, I, was like, I don't remember reading Secret Invasion recently. Neither do I. Oh, I mean, now, funny enough, Brandon, I picked Secret Invasion. That was months ago. Yeah, sorry. Yes, it was. Uh, House of M, thank you. Scarlet Witch took away mutant powers. Um, so now we're in the aftermath of that. We got the Young Avengers, um, two of which are uh, apparently maybe Scarlet Witch's kids. You got Tommy and you got uh, Billy, and you got it's Wicked and Speed, and they look like Quicksilver times two, uh, but one's not one has brown hair and he's a magic man. So they're like, hey, let's go find my mom. Uh, and hilarity ensues, and Doctor Doom kidnaps and, and, and does things to people. I want to know what you guys think about Avengers Children's Crusade. This is definitely a roller coaster. In a good yeah. way. I, I really, because at first it's um, it's the Young Avengers trying to find Scarlet Witch because Wiccan thinks that she, uh, she is his mom and he has the soul of one of her kids because her, ki- her, her kids died. So, and, oh, and Emma <laughs> is in the middle of the camera. <laughs> Keep time. Hi, Emma. <laughs> yeah, Emma just went in front of the camera, babe. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, oh, I bounce off of uh, Ben. I found this book to be rather unpredictable because at the end of every issue, they throw another storytelling device at you. Mm-hmm. It would just be like, all of a sudden, like, no, this is now, this is now a story about time travel. <laughs> Heck yeah, baby Iron Lad, King of it's like first get, At first it's a search and rescue, then it's time travel, then it's... Oh, and, and Wolverine is really murder happy. Wolverine <laughs> wants to murder shit. He's just like, <laughs> we're going to kill Scarlet Witch, and you know what? We should kill Wiccan too. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he is, yeah. He is ready to. He's like, he's like, stick, stick. Let's just do it. There's no other way to fix this. Let's just, let's just end him right here and there. And then Doom gets all this. And then it, it's revealed that Doom has Scarlet Witch, but she lost her memory, and he's gonna marry her. And then all of a sudden, he gets all these like godlike powers. He's like, I will save you. And people are like, screw you, you're Doom. We're not gonna go under your rule. And he's like. I could raise the dead. I could give the mutants the powers back. You just have to do what I say. It's going to be fine. And then people are like, no. He's talking about it. Yeah, yeah he's talking to do. Yeah. And then they kick his ass. Uh, I like this book. Um, Alan Heinberg doesn't write a lot of comic books. Um, and I think he should write more. Uh, because uh, I think he does characterization really well for a lot of these characters. Uh, the stuff he does with Captain America, I think, is really good. There's a, mm-hmm. there's a thing where Wiccan, uh, Captain America is going to take Wiccan somewhere. And, he, and Wiccan's like, can I... Is it okay if I make you fly? Thinking it's a problem. And Captain America's like, son, that's so much cooler than ra- riding on uh, Tony Stark's boots. Like, come on, baby, let's magic me up. I love magic. And Captain America is such an ally to all the people in this book every time. Uh, but Wolverine just wants to kill Scarlet Witch because he's so bloodthirsty. He's a bloodthirsty. And also, well, I, would, I mean, even when the X-Men show up, they want Scarlet Witch dead too because she wiped out a million mutants. And no one knew. I, I don't. I want to say like it doesn't. It doesn't feel forced that all the mutants would be on this on this line because like, yeah, she destroyed a lot. She destroyed millions of people's lives. Yes, mm-hmm. literally uh, so like, like, weeks after the Genocean genocide, uh, yeah. where sixteen million people were murdered. Like weeks, months after this, maybe even a year. Not much time. She depowers all of the mutants. So like, yeah. 
mutants are having a tough time, it's understandable Wolverine's a little pissed. And like all the mutants are, like Emma Frost yeah. and, and, and things. But but I did appreciate that Magneto kind of has the stance of like, I just want to know where she is. Yeah. Like, I, I'm uh, not, I don't want to kill her. Uh, I wanted to say, because we were talking about like the, the Dark Knight stuff earlier. This is a comic that I felt throughout every character. I, I felt like I got where they were, how they were involved, their whole arc for the piece. Uh, every single character that was introduced, I'm like, I get where you're at. I get where you're at. I'm, I'm following you. I'm on it. Uh, this was very well fleshed out. Yeah, I I, I rereading it again because like, I know you guys don't have much Young Avengers history. The very first page is a splash true, page. Actually, I have the Young Avengers titles that take place right after House of M leading into this. Proud of you. Proud of you. You read them? Mm-hmm. Proud of you. Um, oh, I forgot where I was going because I'm so proud of you. Sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> um, crap uh that's okay um i just think this book oh i think it is really really well made for people who don't know anything about any of these characters um like i said like the first page is just a splash page of all the characters and who they are you don't need yeah uh, you don't need to know anything about iron land to know he's from the future and he turns into king the conqueror because they give you just enough lines to know like how he becomes that and man the at the end when he has to choose between like uh going back going into the future to save cassie or to stay here and he's like this is the moment you become king the conqueror and he's like, no, I'm going to be better than King the Conqueror and vanishes. And I'm like, this is how a supervillain's born. It's so good. Uh-huh. Oh my God, guys, it's so good. Because the history of Iron Land and this whole thing, the Avengers have been through so much shit with Scarlet Witch. And then he brings them back to the past where there's reliving the same thing with Scott Lang. And then Cassie ends up dying instead. It's like, there's so many, so many, so many plot threads going on that are from Holy the previous God. events. Cassie's death oh, man. is horrible. It's good, man. Just, mm-hmm. just Scott. He's like, no way, guys. I'm okay. Uh, what? Yeah. And like, uh, brought back Scott from the past. Yeah. Just to see his daughter die. Yeah. The, the, Are you so proud of her that she's a superhero? Oh my god. Uh, yeah. I took a picture of it, but I remember it's a, it's yeah. It's like um, Scott says, like, you stole one of my suits, and she's like, well, you know, yeah, you know, you had some extra pain particles. She's like, he's like, I'm not mad. You're a superhero, honey. I'm proud of you. And yeah. it's like, oh. Yeah, and like she's telling, she's telling us, so dad, uh, I've been borrowing, and by borrowing, I mean stealing. Is that okay? He's like, my daughter's a superhero. This is awesome. It's great. This is like the best um, day ever. I I think I only have one real issue with this book is um, it does a massive retcon to Scarlet Witch to say that Doctor Doom is the reason behind um, the, the events of House of M. Um, yeah. I wouldn't have a problem with that if it wasn't done in really like one line. Do they, so do they follow up on that later? Not really. Okay. So Not, the, can, can I say like the way I interpreted it was him under the madness of the life force mm-hmm. saying it? But it's not true. It's not true. No, it, it is Wikipedia. Like Doctor Doom was was behind the events of House of M. Mm. But it's and that the problem is it is not given enough reason. Um, it's just like I've been the I've been the the puppet master the whole time. But why? Because he yeah. wanted her power. But it's a really it's a really forced retcon to oh, yeah. explain how Dr. Doom got this power. Because, oh, he's actually been working with her from the beginning, but you don't see enough of that for me to believe that. Sure. See, like, my reading was that he wasn't, he was speaking out of the madness of being under the power of the Force. Yeah. And not that that's the truth. But we know it's the truth because there's a scene with Wiccan and and he's talking to Scarlet Witch. He's like, wait, what do you mean since the beginning? And he's like, oh, he's been helping me since the beginning, since before this. No, I get that. that, that <laughs> no, like, that I believe that she went there to try and uh, get his help with trying to revive her kids. Yes. But not that he, uh, like, orchestrated the events of House of M. He was part of giving her the force and everything. Yes. But, like, uh, I, I feel like he's lying about, like, it was his intentions. Okay. 
if that's true, then it's also still that murky. was my reading. That yes. was my reading. That's also still murky because it is in canon, quote unquote canon. Doctor Doom is the reason behind House of M, like his machinations or whatever. Um, right, and I think like all the heroes start to treat it that way because it makes them feel better about the Scarlet Witch. Yes, look, this is me like postulating a lot. No, yeah, it's it's more so about the fact that what how I read it is that Doctor Doom while may, might not have known that House of M was going to happen, he knew that Scarlet Witch would become uh, unstable and he wanted to use that unstable power for himself. Okay. That's that, that's part of it. And the other part of it that I'm reading is that when he's coming down from it at the end of the book and he's still got some of that leftover force and he's withering it out, he's either lying to uh, uh, because he's like deranged in the moment mm -hmm. or he's lying to protect her because he really cared about her. That could be it, yeah. And that was my reading is that it's all it's all like falsehoods, because even after he's gone, like, uh, you know, like everyone's like, there's no way to prove that Dr. Doom was behind it. He's like, even if he was Scott's saying, like, even if he was, it doesn't change anything. She still so that's it. why I'm like, uh, that's why I never read it that way. I read it okay. as like either Doom is crazy or Doom's doing it to give her an out. OK, I like that reading. OK, yeah, because I, he was going to marry her. And yes. there's like an amount of like how much do you believe that Doom maybe loved her. I a hundred percent believe that because if, if Doctor Doom is one thing, it's passionate. Because if that you, man is a man about that's passion. that's my reading too. Is yeah. that in the moment he does love her, and so he's saying it to give her the out to protect her, to let her have the opportunity to be safe from the Avengers and X Men. Okay, and then yeah, the power goes to his head as it obviously would. Yeah, well, yeah, because like I because I I took it as like you know she still did it. Like yes. it was still, she had that power and like Wiccan mm -hmm. brought up a good point. It's like you went from using magic to being able to warp realities. Yeah. Like how did that, how did that, how did that jump happen? That doesn't yeah. make any sense. Uh, and I appreciated the idea that like for years I knew Scarlet Witch as the, as the, as the power to warp reality. But like whenever I read her, she just knows magic. Yeah. Like I, I was, I was confused about like, how did she get the power? Is that just something they don't address anymore? But I appreciate the explanation that this that the she had the force in her and it drove her insane. Yeah, it's almost like it's called the life force. It's almost like a phoenix force uh, type of energy. Yeah. Um, I another reason I wanted to pick this book is because the Young Avengers um, are going to be appearing in our films and TV shows in the next couple of years. We know the twins are at least referenced and seen in WandaVision. You see their baby cradles and you see like like baby stuff. So like babies are happening, twins are happening. Um, if they it's happening. Like if they age up in the show is a different story, but like, um, I, you guys know how excited for empire I am. And you guys finally know about Hulkling. Um, Hulkling is a half scroll, half, uh, Shi'ar, And now he's going to be the rightful ruler of the universe, but that's the next big Marvel event. Whenever that comes out. Um, I'm really excited, uh, for the future of that character, both in, uh, comics and live action. Uh, I think that'd be a really cool character to have. Plus I just want more teenage heroes. Like I love, I love teen heroes. That's why I picked this book. Like, I teen think I think it is entirely likely that oh, real quick. I want to talk about Patriot after I say this, but um, I think that is entirely likely that the reason why they age up Cassie in Endgame is to lead her into a Young Avengers. Mm -hmm. uh, it's to make her stature uh, faster. Uh, but I want to talk about Patriot. I I've known about Patriot. I know I know who Patriot is. He's the son of the original Captain America. Um, grandson. Grand, he's the, sorry, the grandson. grandson of the original Captain America. I love that story. I'd love to see him in a movie. And we we're talking about Falcon Winter Soldier has potentially cast that character that original captain america yeah um, and i think that i think that that'd be a great place to introduce patriot as well so, i think it'd be really cool this was this was not in the collection you guys had uh but this is a page from the young avengers book so you got stinger who is an older cassie you got isaiah as captain america 
you got Hawkeye, you got uh, this is like an this is like an epilogue issue. This is like the future. Uh, you got the Vision, and you got uh, uh, Hopewing as a uh, Captain Captain Marvel. Um, I'd love to read that. Yeah, that's I forgot where Stinger has actually been introduced like ten years ago. Before Can you pass now. it to me real quick. Um, I am. I am. Well, I that in. It's, I'm, I'm gonna tell you. It's uh. So you you can read uh, Avengers: The Children's Crusade, Young Avengers number one, and then there's also material from a- Uncanny X Men number five twenty six in here that shows Magneto before he appeared in the book. Yeah, I man, I, 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 love, I love these Young Avengers. Um, and after rereading this, I'm like, man, um, we need another Young Avengers book because all of these characters are basically missing, except for in Strike Force, which is a weird side book that has like Blade and Hellstrom. Um, so like, I just I want all these characters back. I think Iron Lad is a really awesome character. And like, what do, what happens when a young man is like destined to become a supervillain? Like, how do well, this you, is? I've I've always heard really good things about the Young Avengers, and I feel like this is. This is what the Champions book tries to emulate. Yes, 100%. And I don't think the Champions book does it as well. No. Yeah. This also, I really appreciate, but this this was being very um, LGBT friendly 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And Young Avengers has been around for almost 15 years. And like Alan Heinberg specifically wanted a book that had prominently gay characters in it. And Marvel for a long time was saying no. And then he finally was allowed to do this book. And there's multiple gay characters in this book. Yeah. Um, and it continues in more volumes as well. I really like the current young heroes. I like Miss Marvel and Spider Gwen and and uh, Miles Morales. I think they're all really good characters. Uh, Viz, uh, Viv, um, but I don't think outside of Miss Marvel and 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 Miles Morales, I think I don't think a lot of them hold a candle to Patriot and Hawkeye yeah. and uh, Stature. And I think those were much more well-defined characters than the young characters we have now because i think the young characters that we have now are are trying desperately to be those characters without try without being those characters you know because like this book's all about um there's that children of the atom book those are all x-men fanatics like this book these are all fans of the avengers who also yeah. happen to have superpowers and stuff um yeah. so yeah like i th- i forgot just how much i really enjoyed this part of the universe of like yeah teenagers are also heroes um and like i've just been our marvel unlimited just checking all this out again and uh uh, I'm glad you guys liked it. I, I think this book's real good. Yeah, yeah, I'd like to get into more Young Avengers. I think I might try and pick up those those that old series. Um, I think all the characters are really well represented. This is nine issues. Yeah. Uh, and it's a really solid nine issues it throughout. Really, is. yeah. um, really well done. And the art is exceptional. Dude, this is 10 years ago, Jim Chung. And he's doing, he's doing Justice League now. His art, he's been incredible his entire career. Like, this book is sensationally beautiful. Like, man. When I when I first saw that it was nine issues, when I first started reading it, I was like, oh man, here we go. But yeah. it really blew by. It was really paced. It was paced really nicely. Well, every every second issue, like I talked about, like the the end of an issue would always tease like the direction of the next issue because it, the story would kind of go try to go in unpredictable ways. The story would be, would be a search and rescue, and then it would be a and then it would be a major epic, and then it would be time travel, and then like it's kept throwing different things at you, and it never once felt contrived, like it was going in a way that they didn't wholeheartedly know that the story was supposed to go from the beginning. Yeah. It's like uh, like it's what good comic books do. It's great cliffhangers where it, yeah. it makes you interested. Like the end of issue one, oh my god, Magneto shows up saying that these are his grandkids. What is that about? The next issue, oh my god, Doctor Doom has a Scarlet Witch. Wait, they're getting married. The Scarlet Wait. Witch is a Doom. The Scarlet Witch is a yeah. Every issue ends. They're like, well, now I have to read the next issue. Damn. Um, yeah, my, uh, a lesser book 
and I keep going to the time travel because the time travel introducing time travel so late in your non-time travel story is tricky. Yes. Uh, and I, I think that a lesser story uh, would have handled it much more poorly. Yeah. Go ahead, Ben. Now I was gonna say once we got to once Wiccan found Scarlet Witch in in Castle Doom in Laveria, and she's like, "Oh, I'm getting married tomorrow." To who? And then you see Doom to me, and then it's like to be continued. It's like this is bonkers. I every time we got to the last issue of a book or the last page of a book, I was like, I need to find out what happens. I need to keep reading. I want to know what's going to happen. What, what, but like Doom is marrying Scarlet Witch. I've only known Doom to have an eye for Sue Storm. Now he wants to marry Scarlet Witch. Alrighty then. Great panel. Um, so this is after they found out everything about Doom. Um, and it's, oops, there it is. It's basically it's Magneto and him saying like she was with you this whole time. And Quicksilver is like, not of her free will, I assure you. And Doom's like, I was trying to save her. Save her from you. Mm. And I'm like, aw, Doom, you really do care. Aw. Yep. Too bad you gotta be a tyrant. Mm-hmm. All right. Anything else you guys want to add or should we get out of here? Um, I thought this was a really good follow-up to House of M and way to rework the Scarlet Witch back. And usually when you get retcon stuff like this, or to bring back Scott Lang, um, it's not usually handled quite this well. And I thought this yeah. was really well done. Well, everyone that Scarlet Witch killed is alive at the end of this book. Man, there's that there's that image. Uh, yeah, uh, Victor, like I can bring back the dead, and it's it's uh, Jean Grey and it's that's, Warpath. That's not true. The original Vision is still dead. Oh, you're right, and the new Vision is now dead. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, but but Scarlet Witch killed the original, and he's still dead. Yes, that's... until until uh, he's not anymore. <laughs> I know, but I mean in this book, because yeah, comic books. Yeah, yeah, I'm uh, I love this era of Marvel. Like I'm I'm so glad to be continuously just going back um this is really really good character stuff i hope these guys show up in more modern comic books yeah um okay that'll do it uh next week we're going to skip the book club because we are doing our famous compare and contrast episodes where we are going to compare the first episode of the tv series star girl airing on the cw on the dc universe with stars and stripes the first volume of stars and stripes which is the first appearance of uh star girl robot man um, so remember, it's the first the first arc of Stars and Stripes compared to the first episode of Stargirl. Um, okay, that'll do it. By the way, did you guys know that there's a Purge movie coming out next in July? Oh, you know what? We didn't bring it up on the news, but USA canceled the Purge. They oh, did I didn't do that. Just yeah, that they canceled the Purge series uh, and they canceled uh, Treadstone. Yeah, they canceled uh, the USA movie. made an announcement that they are moving away from scripted television. Oh, I didn't hear that. Yeah, I, USA is moving away from scripted television as a whole. I really wow. hope the purge wow. gets because that shows good. I don't know if that's just because of the coronavirus. So for now, or if that's permanent, but that's what they said is that they're they're canceling them and they're moving away from scripted shows. Wow, that's such a bummer. That's such a good yeah. show. But what's nice about it is that at least the purge show is a closed loop, so it's not like we're left hanging on. Oh no, we got to wait for the next season to find out what happened to blah blah blah. Oh, like CW shows, and stuff? right? Yeah. Because it's you know it's one purge night in a season yeah so it's nice that you kind of just get two extra long purge movies we just have to watch that second season yeah there's a movie the the newest movie the forever purge was supposed to come out in july but i guess it's not anymore that was going to be the last purge movie it's Dang. called it's called the forever purge called the forever purge coming out in july they never yeah. even dropped a trailer that's yeah true wow um okay and anyway, no longer has a release date now so you know hey. right uh, uh, all right, so yeah, next week, uh, Star Girl, Stars and Stripes. Um, thank you to everyone who listens. Uh, guys, uh, thank you to everyone who's watching us on YouTube. If you like this, 
episode on YouTube, uh, please click like and subscribe. Check out our other shows on YouTube. We have a Fake Nerd Watch series on YouTube uh, where we talk about shows like uh, Swamp Thing we talked about up top. Uh, we talk about... Um, I always forget what we talk about. Mandalorian. Stranger <laughs> Things. Watchmen. Watchmen. Tons of stuff. Um, Basement Arcade, we also have a series uh, where we go through some video games. Uh, currently going through Mortal Kombat 9. Uh, Newest episode will be up by the time people check this out. Cool. Newest episode up now. Uh, you got. We also have a Funko affiliate uh, link. You can click the promo, click the link in the description of this video of this episode, uh, and use promo code SHOP10 for ten percent off your purchase. Check out those new uh, X Men movie Funko Pops. Uh, I really like that Magneto and Xavier. I might pick those up. Yeah, they're that, good. That beast was that beast and Nightcrawler were also really good. Yeah. Um, we also have a Patreon and we have a T Public. You can check those out, both the link in the description and or you can find us on our website, fakenerdpodcast.com. Again, all those links are in the description below. Thank you to everyone who listens. Great. Thank you to everyone who watches. Uh, we greatly appreciate all your support throughout this time. Thank you to Jeremy Bellucci, um, who does our theme music and our interim music. If you're listening to this uh, off, not on the live show, if you're just listening to us on the iTunes feed, you'll listen to that. Listen to those stuff. Uh, you can find him at Jeremy Bellucci Keyboards. Uh, you can find a show, Suburban Proctologist, on iTunes. He also has a YouTube page now. Suburban Proctologist. Uh, you can find his show on Facebook.com slash Suburban Proctologist Official. Instagram at Suckpot Podcast. Mike Patola, thank you so much, Mike Patola, for being so cool. Speaking of Mike Patola, Mainframe Comic Con's coming back in two weeks. Another one. <laughs> it's awfully soon. That was it is. Yeah. Um so check that out when that when that drops. Mike Matola, thank you so much. Uh, you can find him at Mike Matola on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you to everyone who listens. We greatly appreciate it. Um, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I said that 14 times right now. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all at Fake Nerd Podcast. FakeNerdGuys.gmail.com. If that's going to touch with us personally, I'm at BT McClure on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, Sparks? You can find me checking out classic old Scooby-Doo movies uh, on Instagram and Twitter at SparksWitty, S-P-A-R-K-Z Witty. Ben, shake my hand, Ben. I'm right here. Nope, wrong way. Ah! <laughs> there we go. It's reversed. It's like, it's, it's No, I know. You can find me on the internet at Instagram and Twitter at BenMagnet27. You can also find me writing about old school video games at OldSchoolGamerMagazine.com. Ryan. You can find me at DJ Tony Snark everywhere. Uh, you can find me streaming on my super, super cool new computer at DJ Tony Snark 616, uh, Twitch or YouTube. Thanks. Love you. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Uh, subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Tune in, iHeartRadio. Rate and review wherever you get us. We greatly appreciate it. Until next week, guys, stay fake nerds. Zoinks. <laughs> <laughs>